So, before we get started, I'm just going to say that uh, my sexuality identifies mostly straight, but I'm definitely open to a uh, Strange New Worlds polycule. Anyway, what is a polycule? <laughs> Roll the open. Something's happening. All right. All right. Anyway, yeah. How do you feel about that? I it the sentence didn't end like I I expected it to. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, God, everybody on this show is so attractive, right? Like, they're just so good looking. I guess right. that's true. I hadn't noticed, but that is so. You hadn't noticed seriously? I hadn't. I hadn't. God, they're also not good in the looking. aggregate. I just was like, oh yeah, that person's attractive. That person's attractive. I didn't. Huh. Fair enough. I don't know. I was, you know, I follow uh, Anton Mount on uh, Twitter and, you know, his, his, so his, his hair has become a thing. Um, people are comparing it to like, cause you know, Paramount's logo is like the mountain, right? Oh yeah. Uh, so people Dude, are that saying hair is all the time it is doing work the whole show. Yeah. So people were referring it as, to, as uh, referring to Anton Mountain's, uh, Anton Mount's hair as the new Paramount peak, which is what they call their logo. And they, uh, there's all these, uh, photoshops of just his hair over the over the mountain with the stars around it which is you know the paramount logo mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's definitely doing work he's they asked him how he did it uh and uh he says mayo they said use, i got it from my mama well no no but like they use mayonnaise where he said miracle whip actually specifically oh to really keep it in place which like i know that's a thing that like apparently mayo is like a good treatment for your hair it keeps it like i don't know moist or something like that but like i didn't know that how did you know that I, I don't know. I'm on the internet, man. You find out the weirdest shit on the internet. Fair enough. So, but anyway, so we're here talking about Strange New Worlds. And uh, obviously, this follows up on our first original, uh, original return episode, uh, which we talked about season two of Picard. Very negative on season two of Picard. Um, You're negative. It's Picard's fault. It's not mine. Yeah, it's not our fault. Uh, they should have made a better show. But we're going to be, I think, uh, well, we haven't talked about it, but I have a feeling. I know I'm going to be a lot more positive about Strange New Worlds. I assume you are going to be as well. Um, but just don't a little bit of... Do. do what? I said, don't tell me what to do. No, okay. Well, I, I'm not telling you. <laughs> if you're going to be negative on, on Strange New Worlds, be negative. Let's go. But, uh, but anyway, just a little bit of housekeeping. So, yeah, so you can check out that Picard review on the YouTube channel or check out the audio podcast. Uh, you can find it. It's definitely on Apple Podcasts. It's on Pocket Cast. Um, it's not on Spotify. I refuse to go on Spotify. We will never be on Spotify, and they have to ask you anyway. But even if they asked me, I wouldn't go on Spotify. Um, and I don't know. You could probably find it on some general aggregate podcast websites. But yeah, so check out the audio version. All right, Strange New Worlds season one, and we're just gonna do episodes one through seven all together. Obviously, there's three episodes left. Hopefully, uh, we'll do those one by one. But since we're a little late to the story, uh, we're gonna do them all together right now. But overall, how are you feeling about Strange New Worlds, Jason? Better. I'm feeling better about it. I like the energy. I just... Wait, hold on. Something just hit me. Where is Kirk's, like, dad or whatever? Remember? Kirk's dad? He showed up. Yeah, Kirk's dad shows up. I'm just now realizing I have no idea where he is. I saw him, like, one episode. Oh, you mean Kirk's brother. Is he his brother? Sam, yeah. 
Oh, I thought that was his dad. No, no, it's his brother. Okay. Ooh. So okay. So what happens to Kirk's brother? I don't know. He's on the show, but yeah, he's only been so he was in episode two, I think, quite a bit. Okay. Well, he okay. was in episode Sorry, two. Mind blown. He, I was thinking how about I felt about it, and I was like running through the first episode in my head or my early ones, and then I thought about Kirk's dad, but I guess brother. His brother, yeah. Well, so that's that's a throwback to uh, the original series. So spoiler, he dies. So uh, in the original series, um, they they show up. Maybe some episode I haven't seen it. Well, yeah, but they show up yeah. on some episode that I haven't seen, um, and uh, it's played by actually uh, William Shatner himself. So like they 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 show up to this research facility or something like that, and they find this dead body and they turn it over and it's William Shatner with a mustache. And he's like, oh, this is my brother, Sam Kirk, or whatever. And uh, so anyway, that's what it's referenced to. But yeah, he was in episode one at the very end. And he was episode two. He played the red shirt. Obviously, he has a blue shirt. But he played the role of the red shirt in episode two, right? Where he gets knocked out by that alien thing just to prove that it's dangerous and knock you out. And then you don't see him again the rest of the episode. And then I think he was in episode four or five or something like that he shows up for like one scene and then you never see him again so yeah i don't know he's just barely been in the show but the sad part is he's been in the show almost as much as hammer which is also just like a little bit sad one of the worst parts of the season but says who i'm sorry hammer the engineer oh I, I yeah i haven't seen her at all has she been in it at all him him it's the the andorian oh well no, he's been in it uh well, he has, but not very much. Like he wasn't in episode seven at all. Yeah, but he has. He's had like major moments, right? Two major moments in engineering. Uh, well, he had the um, uh, the one in episode four. He was in it quite. Gave a him bit. a bunch of power. Gave him a bunch of juice. Yeah, he he was in episode four quite a bit. So he he was barely in episode one. He only shows up at the end. He was in episode two. That's where we really introduce him, or where we meet him, really for real. And then he was up in episode four quite a bit, right? Because he was in the the cargo hold with Ahura, and they had that whole storyline. But I don't remember if he was in episode five at all. And I don't remember him in episode six. He definitely wasn't in episode seven. I didn't know you needed him to be in every episode, or in so many episodes. Well, but I mean, Why do you like him so much? Well, I mean, I do like him, but it's I like also... Him too. But it, like, he's the only character... <laughs> Right, I mean, like every other character, they've been in pretty much every episode. So, like, why is Hammer uh, in here? Like, you know what I'm saying? He's he's busy. Engineers are busier, I guess. No, there's ship, there's a theory about uh, because engineering. So the way they're filming this, they're filming it like they film uh, like they film the Mandalorian, which is um, they had this giant LED wall thing, and uh, anyway, it's it's powered by like Unreal. Uh, which makes like it's the company epic they make like Fortnite, uh, but they have this technology where uh, they have the giant led display wall and when you're filming with cameras it's like it's essentially rendering it in real time like a video game and it like tracks based off the camera movement like perspective and everything like that but anyway it's a big expensive wall and uh, apparently most of engineering is the led wall but then they also have to use it for like when they're on a planet or something like that, right? And mm -hmm. so the theory goes that like they don't show engineering very much because they're they would have to use LED wall and they're using the LED wall in that episode for something else. And so 
because they don't show engineering very much, you don't see Hammer very much, which Clever. is a little disappointing. But but anyway, overall, you were saying how, how you feel. I'll about get over Fraser it. World. Overall, what? Yeah, how you feel about Strange New Worlds? And you were saying how you feel about it overall. Oh, uh, it is. It opens weird with I didn't I didn't I, I was very unsure right away with the snow the snowy mountains when he was at his farm and they came to pick him up. I thought that was really tacky. I did, but I have liked every episode. I've liked every episode a lot. I. Really like the first episode the most, though, weirdly, because the um, when they appear, when they break the prime directive, that was cool. I hate to say, like, I know you're not supposed to do it, but I, I like that they did it. What did you think about it? Uh, well, just go back real quick. So, uh, you talk a lot, about the, I know, I'm sorry. Well, no, but you talk about the first episode, you talk about the open, and it's in, uh, I think, Montana, I think is where he is. Um, you said it was tacky. Why was it tacky? I don't know. It was he was out at his ranch, and he needs to, you know, he was George Bush, and he's just called back by this terrorist plot. I didn't like it. George Bush. It yeah, it wasn't by terrorist. It was. It was that he. Uh, I understand he's really from Montana or whatever, and he lives a perfect life because they're better people than us. But I thought it was tacky. <laughs> okay. You think so? You think it was like hero worshiping or something? No. Because the whole point of it is that uh, it's following up on season two of Discovery, of course, where he finds out his future, right? Uh, where he's going to end up in the beep chair um, and with his face melting, apparently. It's too picturesque, I guess. Well, and so, I mean, the idea is that, well, okay. I mean, yes, it is very picturesque. I'll give you that. But also, it's a it's a reference back to, um, like, he's riding horses. Brief. He's riding horses, right? Because he's a horse boy. Right. And so, yeah. which was, in, you know, we found that out in um, the pilot in the cage. What? We found that out in the pilot in the 1965 pilot, the cage. First time we saw Chris Pike. Fascinated. Let's get to the part where they violate the prime directive because it's super interesting. Wow. Well, okay. Which time? I'm assuming uh, you mean episode uh, one. But I'm talking about when they reveal the ship to those people to get them to stop fighting because they're fascists. That yeah. was cool. In episode I, one. It, was that right? One, right? Yeah, episode one. Yeah, yeah it... Uh, what did you think about it? Uh, well, I mean, I think in that particular context, I thought it was... It made sense, right? And it was... I thought it was... Like, I, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of the Prime Directive, right? I think it's silly uh, a lot of times, um, especially... Because this is the opportunity to show you the way, Paul, because you're wrong. Because what if they go bad? What if they're like, what if you, what if they are not suited for this kind of lifestyle? Like, and the, if you give them this technology, they will not pass the great filter and they will destroy themselves or, and, and Klingons, Klingons are the, 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 the demonstration of what can go wrong. Right. Right. Well, but the Klingons haven't destroyed themselves. And I mean, you can talk about, right, but I wouldn't call that like optimal. Like no. they're a, they're a savage empire, right? Uh, I mean. It's debatable when you get into the TNG DS9's era. Uh, so obviously, annexing and conquest. I'm, I'm just saying, like. Well, but the idea is, I mean, right? Because obviously, the idea is, especially, I'm so comfortable crapping on something that isn't a isn't a federal democracy. Come at me. Uh, well, sure. 
I'm, I come at me. <laughs> but, I, but, I boo them. But I think, you know, the idea, obviously the idea behind the Klingon Empire, especially post-Star Trek VI, right, is that it was, because Star Trek VI was all about, you know, the fall of the Berlin Wall, right? And, and so the Klingon oh, yeah. Empire kind of stands in as a um, post, you know, Soviet Union Russia, right? And post-Soviet Union Russia, also not perfect. Um, definitely not perfect. So, like, I get what you're saying, but, like, it's also, like, not, it hasn't destroyed itself. And certainly the people within the empire are, you know, I don't know, right? Like, you can, your, what point are you making? That the Soviet well, Union wasn't good? It sounds like that. Well, no, that's not the point I was making. But, no, oh. I mean, <laughs> if you, anyway, to go back to the Prime Directive, right? I mean, like, so the Prime Directive, a lot of times, uh, it's been used as, like, uh, I don't know, a convenient way to just not help people. And I think in this case, I think Have they show both sides that way about it. Do other people feel this way? Yeah, I think a lot of people. I mean, the whole point of the prime directive is that it's an interesting moral conundrum, right? Because you always play. Yeah, I think the episode of Enterprise, the one that I hate the most, um, is um, the, the, essentially they end up on this planet and there's these two species that have developed right over time. And one of them is more advanced than the other one. And so the less advanced species, yeah, anyway, but they're, they're learning, right? And they're becoming more advanced at a rapid pace. But then the more advanced species comes down with this disease that's like wiping out their entire, uh, you know, species basically. And, you know, Enterprise lands and uh, Dr. Fox figures out a cure essentially for the disease that's wiping out the more advanced species. And, but then, like I said, then they find out that the less advanced species is like I said, they're evolving faster and they'll soon be essentially more intelligent than the more advanced species. And so Archer decides to not give them the cure because he says that would be pref that would be showing preference to the more advanced species and the less advanced species wouldn't be allowed to evolve naturally. And so we're just going to allow this more advanced species to completely go extinct. By not giving them the cure because of the prime directive. And that's one of those things where it's like, that sucked. <laughs> like, you could just give no, them the boy, cure. Just a, the, I, I, yeah, okay. I'm fine with that. But, but it's it, it's, it's one of those constitutional things. argument here. You can't do it. What do you mean? Well, because the, the principle is so severe, like our uh, paramount, right? It's paramount because if this goes wrong, it can go really, really wrong. It can. So, but what I liked about episode one is it shows both ways, right? Because wish it go. I wish. I hope it goes wrong. I was really rooting for them to come back the next episode, and it should go horribly wrong. That's what but I. But the thing is, but the thing is, so the episode shows both ways. It shows one that yes, it can go horribly wrong because obviously they get the technology without contact, but they do see the technology, right? Because uh, right. because the premise is that you know when everybody. When Discovery was opening up the wormhole to go into the future, right? And they had that big space battle at the end of season two of Discovery, the episode that we hated. Go back and listen to our review if you want to hear how we felt about that. I hated the last little bit of it. Yeah, but anyway, um, the thought process is, oh, this, this planet was close enough they could see all that. And so they figured out warp technology somehow from that, right? And so, but instead of building a warp ship, they build a warp bomb. And they're going to essentially nuke each other and eradicate each other right so yeah that that leads credence to your side which is 
yeah, if you give these people this technology, then they're going to use it to destroy themselves, right? Which is a valid point. And that's the whole reason Prime Directive exists. I get that. So then Pike then goes, well, they've already got the technology, right? They've already got this warp bomb. We don't want them to use it. So instead, let's just show them everything, but then also show them like, hey, there's a better way to do things, right? And if we just help you along and show you the good ways to do things, you cannot destroy each other and you could open yourself up to the galaxy, right? And a new idea of what it means to be a galactic citizen and a galactic civilization, right? Which is the other side of the prime directive thing, which is, yeah, you can give some people technology, but don't give it to them in a vacuum. Give it to them in the context of helping them along, right? In which case no, you can help I disagree. Them. But I see where you're coming from. It's humane. And I, I'm, I'm on board. But I think as a... Uh, I think it's... I feel firm about the Prime Directive. I'm, I'm not... I'm, I think that what Pike did was wrong. I think he shouldn't have done it. So, okay. But the thing is... So, I don't understand how you think, though, especially in Episode 1, how do you think that he was wrong at that point? Uh, wrong to reveal the ship yeah to come down and and talk to them and, and show them all the things about hey here's how it could go and we're going to help you through this because it like because it violates the prime directive but but the point especially in, in that episode is that the prime directive had already been violated because well faction knew about knew about this that there were aliens now that's true but it's not a reveal to the entire planet like right like it's but it was enough for them to build a bomb to wipe each other out I'm they were gonna I'm they were gonna the genocide the people uh they i don't were, know what he should have done but i probably would have done that but i, I think he should have done what he did well fair enough we can agree to disagree all right well anyway so, yeah so that was episode one so i'm surprised you felt that way i was but yeah it's, it's i liked it i thought it was really cool i really liked it yes uh well, it's an interesting question I, just because it, it you know it creates this kind of debate I like rule right? Breaking, right i i'm a big fan of rule breaking i just think it should be a rule that's really important i think you should get in trouble well it's definitely a rule it's it's the prime rule if you will no i would have argued general order one i know i'm lame but like i would have liked i'd like to see him get arrested and like see the court trial and all that well i think in any other case they would have but you know they made a good point there point or they made a point of saying that oh, yeah a magic uh, plot well, device was triggered i know yeah because obviously everything from yeah. Uh, you know season two of discovery is classified so then we'd have to admit to it right and so we can't do that so semicolon carriage return i'm there yeah how do you feel about so this is the first time we see robert april right how, how did you feel how do you like his character he's been back a few times since then robert april which the admiral april? you're gonna have to say there oh i liked him yeah big fan yeah he seems like a bud um cool guy all the, all the haters can can fuck Has off. Has he done something? Well, I mean, it, it, what when all the times he showed up, wasn't he always just a, like a plot device thingy, like to move it along? To you mean in the a, show, resolve an issue? Doesn't he just resolve issues? You mean in in, in Strange New Worlds? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he showed up a few times. So uh, he also show, showed up in episode five. Um, do what? Do what now? Should do what? What did he show up in episode five for? Uh, I remember the in episode five, it's the the one where they were trying to uh, create that diplomatic arrangement with that other species, and so right, they're, just, they're at that starbase, starbase one, I think. Uh, I guess he didn't resolve it. It wasn't there to resolve anything. But no, no, he's not. Yeah. He's not. He's usually not there to resolve anything. He's usually there to set up something, right? Because he's an admiral, so he's playing the role of like um, 
a um, guess. Okay, fair enough. He's he's playing the role of like the admiral in Enterprise who would set up. Oh, you got to go here and do this. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, but no, but you, you know, okay. Do you know the backstory of Robert April? That's a good question because I'm betting no. you don't. Then no, I don't. Okay, so Robert April was the first captain of the Enterprise before Pike. Oh, you did tell me this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. there. Go ahead. And so he was. He actually helped design the ship, and then he became its first captain. And then Pike was his first officer. And then when April finished his five-year mission and retired, then Pike took over as captain. Oh, well, cool. But the fun part is, so there's a big controversy about it, because Robert April has only been shown on screen once in the animated series, and he was a white guy. And he was voiced by James Duhon, who, who voiced uh, Scotty. Oh, it's one of these. I don't care about these. As I said, I don't care if, when they, they, if someone black plays Winston Churchill. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I'd say just like just let never make it matter again. Well, I mean, like any like just cast whoever you want who really thinks they can act the person that would be best. I think. Yeah, I mean, we have different opinions. I actually think increasing diversity is good, and so I think it does matter. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I do too. In that, it'll just give you the best person. I'm I'm for it. Okay. Anyway, I mean that to be as libertarian as it sounds. I know it does sound. I I don't because I hear that all the time about like, oh, just hire the best person, and that's usually as a defense of like the way things are. But I I do believe in that, and I believe in steps towards it. I don't think that that's always what is being really suggested. But so many times, um, though, it's used to defend, and I I get that you're coming at a different way to avoid regulation. Right there, it's there to like prevent action by the government I, I i'm hearing you but this is not what i'm saying i'm saying let's well make, it's not, take an not even action government. from the government it's just you'll hear people saying like oh why are you putting in like you know affirmative action or something like that and they'll be like which is just saying that you should make well, you this know, is the opposite of that well i know that's what i'm saying you're coming but it's using the same talking points which i think which i think mm. would give people i understand but you understand that you are arguing for affirmative action in this case i am Okay, I'm say, I mean, in that, like, that people's, like, race should define who plays them, right? So that's going to be an issue for every white no, person. No, 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 but that's not what affirmative person. action is. So that's the, this, is the pro- this is the problem. Affirmative action just says that you have to make, uh, essentially, well, you have to make an affirmative action to uh, try to increase the diversity and try to hire people um, outside of like straight white dudes right sorry, I misspoke. You are entirely right. I misspoke. You are, you are, um, ar- your argument is um opposed to affirmative action is what i was saying I, i'm sorry i did misspeak no no i'm i'm not i i yeah well so so anyway so it's just when you use the language of like oh you should hire the best person for the job right i understand that you're coming at it from the standpoint yes. of you think that because a black person should be able to play a white person well which yes is, which but, would but, be but, affirmative but, action but it would but, be an action on our part to ignore but, but what i'm saying is you're coming at it from when well, you're saying that but you're coming at it from the standpoint of uh, you think that anybody that people of that people of color, people from these these marginalized groups are actually really good at doing these things. And so they should naturally be able to do these things. Sure, Whereas, they probably are allowed because you probably have to like play, be a, have a white person, play a white person or else you get all this, this, uh, this negative feedback. But I think we should all just ignore that. Well, but I mean, it's just I understand that for people who are listening, who are used to hearing that talking point that's usually made to defend the current unequal status quo and when so when they say no i completely agree with you i i it was it was yeah it was i thought it was very clever but it, it was it meant the opposite that was the point I know. you're right that was sorry that was the subtle joke in there i know but <laughs> yes so anyway because there's always the underlying thing of like oh just let the best people do the thing and then 
Well, okay, then I get you it. say no, it's I'm unequal. There. I've got it all along. I just then then I, it's I, like just, okay, so you're saying like you just think you that, that these was... other groups aren't as good at doing this thing, <laughs> whereas I think you're coming at it from the opposite. So like they're obviously right. capable of doing this thing. So if you hire the right. best person, you will naturally get diversity, right? All is resolved. Yes. So anyway, anyway, but I like Robert April. I like that he's shown up multiple times. Um, and I like his character. I mean, like I said, it's, it's not been here in a lot, but you know, he's he's like I said, he's playing the role of um admiral from forest i think from enterprise i just want to be clear do you think that people shouldn't like are you with me on the winston churchill thing do you feel differently about it because that's when you said you felt differently i just want to make sure i don't think that's what you meant but how do you feel about it um i mean for winston churchill that's the one where i go as a historical figure so well, why not who cares like wouldn't it be great like i mean let's think of uh who, well i mean it would the, be obviously that's the that's the idea behind hamilton right <laughs> so yeah and it was great sure so yeah i mean i get your point i, I guess it yeah. depends on what you're what you're going for i mean because obviously like hamilton's not like a documentary documentary right it's obviously stylized so i don't know it depends on what you're going for denzel washington sure as winston churchill let's do it sure let's do that but also understand that, that winston churchill great. sucks so i don't really care for anybody who really works oh no churchill. i know but he's fun to play he's in like a real crisis moment it's excellent you just focus on the wrong thing it's, he's an sure. excellent historical character world war sure. ii movies rock sure but i think i think where it gets tricky is then you go like oh well what if you got tom cruise to play martin luther king jr then you go that oh, would also be that would also be great that would, I, could, I, I think i, I mean this, do that. you not think tom you picked per person tom hanks would be great. I think no, I, I understand no. that it would be insensitive, and that's why you shouldn't be. do it. So you shouldn't do insensitive things. Sure. I'm on board, but sure. <laughs> I mean, in but principle, you know what we've talked about so in the this past principle exactly. But what we've talked about in the past, and I think where your standpoint is, and I would agree with you, was like, wouldn't it be great if we lived in a world where Tom Hanks could play Martin Luther King Jr. because it wouldn't be insensitive because black people still weren't being oppressed, and there was oh, so many off, races. Off, we live in a world where he could do it. And we should live in a world, we live in a world where we are, I want to live in a world where he should be allowed to do it, but sure. he should face some kind of horrible consequence from it. I, I'm just, that's where I'm at. I'm not like against him being allowed to, if he wanted to do something insensitive, I can allow well, to do insensitive just things. Just so we're clear, yeah, there's no law that would prevent him from right, doing right. that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I but, said allowed. I think the, the word allowed triggered me. So <laughs> Sure. No, but but what I'm saying is like, uh, oh, I, think what, I think what you're saying is, wouldn't it be great if we lived in a world where it wouldn't, where Tom Hanks playing Martin Luther King Jr. wouldn't be insensitive because there wasn't so so much racism? Where you'd be like, oh, yes, you can't accurately course. portray that. You know what I'm saying? That'd be great. Yeah, it'd be great. But we're not there, right? And so, no. if Tom Hanks were to do that, it'd be like, so it'd be that's a bad look, and we should all go boo. <laughs> yes, yes. Anyway, but imagine a world. So, um, anyway, so I think we covered episode one. Uh, you know, overall, I think it was a great introduction. There's a question about is it the best? Oh, is is it the best series premiere for Star Trek ever? And for me, I'm gonna say no. I still think DS9 uh, is is the best, but it's it's oh, up there. Yeah, I don't I don't care to do that. Yeah, of course you can't even compare DS9's light years. Voyager's better than this. I I mean it's like as far as like what it that. is and what it does. There's a lot of cool things happen in Voyager. I know that it seems like, oh, you got Harry Kim, this is gonna suck, but it doesn't. Like compared, like Poor compared Harry. to like what we've gotten. Stranger Worlds has been nice. I'm happy with it. I don't yeah. need to like. It's just I feel like it embarrasses both DS9 and and Strange New Worlds to compare them. This is a new thing. It's fun. Yeah. 
all right, so episode. I didn't watch it with my mom when I was ten, so let's just not compare them. What DS Nine? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You can compare them. What What, what do you think it's lacking that DS Nine had? Uh, I mean, part of it's in hindsight, right? And it's looking at DS Nine. It's it's imagining DS9 the totality. Perfect, so it's hard to right. It's 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 thinking about the totality of DS Nine. It's hard to divorce just the premiere from what DS Nine became. But I think even on its own, you can't plan Garrick. You know what I mean? Well, I think. I think DS9, what stands out to me about it being such a good premiere is the way it sets up, like, especially Cisco being like, oh, this is just, this is a different thing than you're expecting, right? Because understand, like, DS9 came out when TNG was still on the air, right? It was season five or six or something of, of The Next Generation. And by that point, Picard was like the guy, right? Like, you were, there were camps of, was Kirk or Picard better? You know, that was already happening. And a lot of people love Picard. And so for DS9 to come in and be like, Cisco's being like, fuck you, Picard. I don't like you. Right? You killed my wife. How dare you? Right? Was such a middle finger to like this show that was beloved and still running in the same franchise that it was just. No, I remember that. A big shock. That's really it cool. It took that guts. Cool. It took guts. You know what I'm saying? And like that to that. me, that's what I love about it is like it just established like. We're DS9, and we're just do whatever the hell we want, right? And we don't I'll, care about your nostalgia and what you love. We're just doing this stuff, right? So I, I don't want to get into like too it. much of Discovery, but I want to parallel it with the the pilot for Discovery, where I, I felt the Vulcan hello as an idea ideal when it when it was demonstrate like when it was explained. Uh, finally, when like uh, Sarek when she was talking to Michael, explained to him how to deal with the Klingons, yeah. and then she decides to actually do it. Yeah. I found that to be a similar moment. Not as good, obviously. Obviously, that's way more impactful with Picard and the wife thing. But yeah. I just, uh, it it tur- it was the turn it on its head moment, I suppose. What was the, what's the phrase? Sure. Um, expectations. Oh, yeah. I, I can't think it would do, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. I... To me, the Discovery premiere is fine. Oh, I don't need an analysis on it. I hear but, you. That went nowhere. You could, but you see what I mean. You don't even see the Discovery in the Discovery premiere, so that's that's problem number one with it, right? <laughs> so, um, but anyway, yeah. So, but this this didn't have that. That's what you were worried about. Yeah, I mean, it's it was a good episode of Star Trek. It was enjoyable, but it wasn't anything about it that was like. In, in some ways, it's a reform. It, it was actually very tropey for star trek you know what i'm saying like this this mm-hmm. felt like a classic episode 12 of season two <laughs> you know what i'm saying and like truly it, i could in the in the first episode and in all episodes i could use more and a more intense version of number one uh i feel like she's let me down i feel like it's not what i was hoping for it's yeah. not enough there's not enough of it well yeah some of it's been okay but like she really hasn't like flexed her muscles a lot and I, and I would like her to. Yeah, no, both metaphorically and I guess for real, but like also definitely metaphorically. Well, we get more of her in, in episode three, which we'll get to. But but yeah, I mean, I, there were obviously several characters that we didn't get a lot of in episode one. Like Hammer, we didn't even see him to the end. Um, I think Doctor. it should be a trope for every episode. I do. I think they should make a trope where number one does something incredibly helpful every time. Like just like, oh my God, I didn't think of that. Yeah, okay. I like her. I, I like it whenever she is is competent and then she brags about it. It's a nice touch. And she calls herself number one. I'm all about that. Okay. And I get where she comes from, and that's why it's number one. But I like how she leaned into it and to Discovery. And sure. I, I was expecting more of that braggadocio, and I don't get it. 
Yeah, I don't get why she's a lieutenant commander, not a full commander. But anyway, that's a different thing. So it was. I thought that could be. Uh, yeah, but that could all easily be. Uh, nope, I'm a this. This is what I want to be. This sure. is what I am. I'm a lieutenant commander. I don't want to be a commander. Sure. Because I get to hit people more as this or something, or get to have more fun. Is how she'd probably say it or something. Yep. All right. Well, anyway, we'll get to we'll get to number one and like when we talk about episode three. Sorry, I, sorry, sorry. Really sorry. Episode. Uh, episode two, Children of the Comet. Uh, synopsis is while on a survey mission, the USS Enterprise discovers a comet is going to strike an inhabited planet. While trying to unlock the comet's secrets, Pike and number one deal with a group of zealots who want to prevent any interference. So this is actually another prime directive episode, right? Uh, because right, they see this comet that's going to crash into this planet and destroy it, and they go, "No, we're not going to allow that to happen." So we're gonna we're gonna knock this comet off course. But like the yeah, prime director says, less professional organization. That's all I could think the whole time. Once like the through, throughout the lesson that the the uh, superior ship teaches the Enterprise, like about how to respect nature. I'm I, I'm for that. Ooh, it was something cool all along. It was alive. And this is, yeah, I'm, I'm for it. But it was so, like, you could have just, there was no device to keep him from saying, actually, it's a living creature, and it's all going to work out. And What do you mean? But it, they made them seem wise in the end. But actually, they were just incredibly unprofessional. They didn't communicate. Who? Who? Uh, what were the name of the species that interacts with them and tries to keep them from touching the asteroid? Oh, okay. So you, you weren't talking about the Enterprise. I forget the name of the species, but yeah, the, they were the Guardians. Yeah, yeah, they, they were... They're just unprofessional. The shepherds, or I think is what they, right? Yeah, they whatever were, they, they are. They were shepherding the um, comet. They're pretty what? They were shepherding the comet. Right. Why can't they explain that? Like, we're shepherding, it's going to do this. Don't worry, it's going to destroy this planet. Well, because the thing is, they didn't actually know. They, right, they, which, like, which makes they them not didn't... wise. Exactly. Well, but that's kind of the point, right? Like, they're, they're just zealots, right? Like, because, uh, yeah. because obviously, as we found out at the end, the Enterprise actually had to interfere with the comet so that it could do the thing that it was supposed to do, but and the I Shepherds mean, do didn't you understand. Not feel that. that it was played off as the, though they had something to teach. Uh, no, Chris. No, I didn't. No. Okay, I, I really did get that. I really did get that feeling at the end that it was like, okay, ah, see. Didn't he say something? He said something to, at the end when he left that was in regards to now. Next time you'll be more patient and listen, or something to your elders but anywho sorry I, I so i had that opinion of it i do think they that they tried to tackle well, a tacky lesson about you're talking um, about the captain of the, of the other ship the shepherd ship right said that correct correct the shepherd did right yeah yeah i mean so they dirt they certainly are and yeah i don't think they're wise I, I think what you're picking up on is they think of themselves as wise but i don't think the show was portraying them as that way i need the foolish to i need the fool to realize he's foolish for this to for this to resolve for me you know like i think that's what i don't like about it so, because okay. when it doesn't happen, it makes you think that, or it seems to imply that there's, there's something right about what they were doing or something they had to teach us. And they didn't, they were just like a real problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I see your point. It would. Yeah. yeah that's so, all. So, so I, it's not up, a huge thing, but I, I felt it immediately when I saw this episode. Some like, come up and thing. so I, I, I understand what you're, some come up, uh, some come up and would have been nice, but mm -hmm. I think. I don't know. I think you and I have mild. Lived, well, I think you and I have lived among the evangelical circle long enough to know that that's <laughs> it's rare when it happens. No, right? I'm not saying like how I want the world to work. I just want to know. This is how I want stories to work. I feel like there's some catharsis I didn't get, and it and it made sure. it feel like this person is just wandering off into the distance, uh, well, being yeah. a pain to everybody else. And exactly. I don't know. It's just a story. It should resolve. That's all. Well. 
But there's also this part of, and it plays with the idea, the, the theme that's that especially ran through the first few episodes. It hasn't been so much the last few episodes, but you know, running through the first few episodes of Pike knowing his future and coming to grips with how He's to handle that. until that moment. Well, uh, coming to grips with how to respond to it and whether or not it has to be his future. And if it has to be his future, how does that affect the way he's living in the present, right? And, and yeah, and it's occurring to me that he he realizes he's immortal until the 10-year 10, 10 mark. And sure. you know what? I, I Then I thought, oh, well, he probably won't have to, if he has to make a decision about the odds, he'll say, oh, I'll just I'll run the odds because I know I'm going to live. I bet he always takes it. And then I thought, oh, Actually, I don't think I've ever seen anyone not take it. So you right. know what, Star Trek? I want what I want to see is gonna make me happy. Is I want to see someone say, you know, there's a thirty only a twenty five percent chance that we're gonna make it through this, and 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 the captain goes, you know what? Scrap it. I don't like those odds. I'm out, and we're gonna do something else. I would like that. I want it. But that would be weird for the story. It would be a lot like making those guys look wise at the end of episode two. Carry on. Well, yeah, it would be weird for the story. We wouldn't get an episode. I mean, like, imagine you get an episode where they show up this thing and be like, we only have a 25% odds of making this. Oh, you know what? We should not take that chance. And then roll credits, right? Well, no, I just <laughs> I just meant that, you know what? Never mind. Carry, uh, so, Ghosts of Illyria. Well, okay. So, I, well, anyway, I just want to go back to, to Children of Comedy. We're not done with that yet. So, I, I mean, God. so I think the point, though, is that, so I want to bring it back to pike dealing with living in the present right because there's this idea and I, d I still don't know it's iffy to me on if they're gonna end up changing canon right because obviously but canonically he ends up in the chair and all that stuff right and then he goes back to uh talus four and blah 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 right and so but you know I, there's a scene in episode two where number one says to him like oh you know doesn't mean it has to end up this way and but i think the point of the episode was no it does have to end up this way but that's okay, and I you still have to keep living life this particular way, right? And I think that's why they didn't tell the shepherd species, like, hey, by the way, like this way was worse because if that would have changed their behavior, then maybe that's not the way things are supposed to work out. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Because, like, everything had to play out that specific way and that tension between them for the comet to do the thing it was supposed to do, which was also, by the way, was totally screwing the Prime Directive because they essentially just changed the course of evolution for this whole planet, right? By spraying water down that. on them. I've had, it already has, uh, it's, I already thought, like, our civilization. It's like, a, I'm, I'm only applying to civilizations. That's fine. Okay. Well, that's not that what the Prime Directive is about, though. Hmm. Right, because remember, there's a whole thing in uh, was it Star Trek Into Darkness, right? Where they they stopped that volcano planet. Remember the For, the intro yeah, from civilization, but it wasn't. They were they they were worshiping scrolls. Yeah, but still a civilization. Well, there were people living in huts on this planet. Is that is that not a civilization? Uh, oh, you mean you mean because you were avoiding the comet? You were talking about the people on the planet the comet was going to hit. I thought yes. you were talking about the, the big beast. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, that's a tricky one. That's a definitely a that was a violation of the prime directive. What's it called with the, the trolley problem? It's a trolley problem. Yeah, I'm on board. Anyway, and then obviously this, 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 this is the, be a dick. 
obviously this episode that we get a lot of uh ahura right and uh introduction to her because she does all the music stuff which is interesting and a good callback to the tos because uh obviously nichelle nichols was a singer um that showed up in tos a few episodes and um also star trek 5 uh she does some singing in that so actually i think there's controversy there because i think they changed her voice out but uh anyway but a good good call back to Michelle Nichols, who's a singer. So obviously uh, Cecilia Argooding, who plays Uhura, I think she's also a singer. Um, so they you know they play on that musical talent. Yeah, I really um, like Uhura. Yeah, I like her. And then uh, this is obviously the first episode that we get to see Pike cooking for the crew, and we get to see the uh, um, the crew just hanging out, having dinner in his quarters. How do you feel about that? I could move. I could. Uh, I I wanted to fast forward through it, but I didn't talk really? about it. You don't like it was that? sweet. I thought it was uh, yeah, okay, it was interesting because she with the there was tension when she said that uh she wasn't sure if Starfleet was the right place for her and then sure. Spock gives her a stern talking to and it's Well, it's right. Um it was a lot of time for her character, which is great. I, I will say this, I'm a little disappointed. I don't I didn't need another tragic backstory for her. I mean, I get that it's one I could if it were had been more brief. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot it happened. Yeah. I've seen her in Both so her many parents episodes, died I've in never a shuttle accident. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't need that. It's one of those things that like I understand it gives motivation for a character and there's a good, you know, plot out of it in terms of, you know, Spock being like, well, hey, if you if you're not sure that you belong in Starfleet, then like get out of the way so that somebody else who doesn't want to be here can be here, right? And, and then mind so she your comes business, to understand. Spock. <laughs> well, but then she does come to understand that, oh, she does want to be in, in Starfleet. Like that that's cool and everything. But I feel like also mind your business. They could have done that without her parents, her parents dying in a shuttle accident. There's there's just a lot oh, of yeah, criticism. I know. that was, it was pretty pretty hammy. I'm on board. Well, there's yeah, there's and there's a lot of criticism on a Star Trek that like every character has a tragic has a tragic backstory, you know. And to be fair, that's true of a lot of just media, right? Yeah, I, mean, I guess otherwise you'd just live in paradise, wouldn't you? Right. Well, but I feel like there was there was an opportunity they could have just done like like what if they said instead that she joined Starfleet because her parents didn't want her to join Starfleet, right? And now that she's there and she's grown up, she's like, but actually, so I just joined Starfleet out of spite, but now I'm like, is this really what I want to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, they could have done that in a different way, still gone the same direction, without, hey, both my parents died in a shuttle accident. No, I'm pro just horrible. not kill them. Like, oh, exactly. I see what you mean, but yeah. not kill them. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I could just done with none of it. Exactly. But anyway. I don't know. But in terms of, of Pike. With These the are just stuff, co-workers. It doesn't need to be that, that intense. Well, I mean, I. I think they're more than co-workers. They've lived together for five years. I know, but like, we don't need to hear like everything that motivates a person the first time we meet them. Sure. I'm a hurrah. I'm good at linguistics. Yes. Well, because she's, uh, right. Uh, it doesn't make me endear her to her different dialects. all this stuff. This trivia doesn't make me like her more, care about her as a character. Just have her help someone or be competent briefly. And then I like her, right? Don't want her to die. And so then when she's put in peril, I'll go, ooh. No, she's definitely confident in this episode. Hmm? She's definitely confident in this episode. No, I know, but we did a lot more. We did a lot that and yeah. plus a whole backstory, tragic backstory. Like, I'm just saying, we only need, all we need to do for this is to make me care about her when she's in peril. Mm -hmm. So let's get that out of the way, and that's fine. And it can be tragic, I guess, but it's just a lot of time on it. And it, it was, um, it was... It was nice. It was sweet. I, 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 but it was kind of boring. I just wanted something to happen. Well, I, I'm just in general, though. I like. 
I personally like it's kind of controversial Pike having these dinner meetings and stuff in this because like it feels kind of TNG ish. Well, because Picard never would have done that. He never even joined over poker. Remember, yeah, but the poker Until game the finale. I'm sorry, that space for the television show, right? Like that's sure. what I'm saying is that. But, but no, the but the TNG has those things, even though Picard wasn't in it. But like right. you know the uh, the card game moment. But that's the thing. In general, the captains never really did that. And, I, and so I, I, I like that they're and establishing about the captain, and I hear that. I, I I like they're establishing Pike as like a different kind. Like, like occasionally Cisco would do stuff, obviously, right? Like the the baseball and stuff like that. Uh, Janeway never really fraternized with the crew very much, right? Well, Paul, let me ask you this question then: In Discovery, I mean, compared to Discovery, I'm talking about the R and R scenes, mm -hmm. right? Like this, I find the dinner scene here like a million times more tolerable and plausible than anything. I've ever seen from Discovery. Oh, 100%. 100%. Right? Like, it's yeah. just, okay, yeah, they're buds on a boat, you know? Yeah. I like that. Um, and that's what, I, and yeah, so I think it has that, which is nice. Nice that it has that other Star Treks have. Well, it, it also does. Discovery didn't. And right. I think that maybe makes it less relatable somehow. Because if what? you can't make these characters sit and have a card game or have dinner and have me engaged, there is something wrong with it. It also doesn't help that there's been like five captains and four seasons in Discovery. Right. I don't think it's the captain's the problem. Well, but I, my point is just in general, the cast is so fluid, right? It, it's hard to establish. Yeah. You know what's funny? I'm imagining the dinner scene, how it would be dramatically improved in Discovery if they had what would be as if uh, Lorca was there. Like, he's like this sinister, like, they all know he's the bad guy. He's pretending not to be. Uh, he would make he would make a good dinner scene. The only dinner scene I can remember from Discovery is in season three, uh, where Saru was captain. And he brought everybody together right after they first end up in the future. And he brought everybody together. And then Detmer essentially goes, uh, like, she gets real mad or something about, because she's got PTSD from crashing the ship or something like that. And then the dinner ends. And, like, yes, this was a thousand times better than that. So, but also because you're getting to actually, the, the other difference is, compared to Discovery, is, like, we're four seasons into Discovery, and I feel like I know nothing about 50% of the characters, right? Whereas we're seven episodes into Strange New World. And by episode two, I was like, oh, I know a lot more about most of these characters than I know about half the people in Discovery. You know what I'm saying? I hear like, you. I'd say more than I need to, but I, 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 I like what I've learned. I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that I learned it, if you know what I mean. Well, I'm not just talking about uh, backstory. I'm talking about even who they are now, right? Like, we still haven't got a backstory on, on Chapel or Ortegas or anything like that. And I still feel like I know their characters more than I know Reese, you know, from See, I from take Discovery. your point, but do you really mean no? Like, do you care if you know them? I know this is silly, yes, but I do. do you, or, that's what I well, that's what I, I hate or about. Do you Discovery. really care if you if you if you care about them? Is caring about them the same as knowing to you? Because it isn't to me. Uh, I can care yes, about someone I know I nothing about. Yeah, Just I about you know, like I know uh, very little about you, right? I mean, I think they're kind of saying when I say no people, I don't mean like know their story. I mean like know who well, they I am are wondering. in terms of their personality and their abilities. That's what and I mean. I'm saying like and and, and strange and as you say by episode two you had that in this right right that's yeah, what I like exactly. about this. And that's what I like about I do, I, that's what Stranger Worlds is doing better. That's always bothered me about Discovery. So and I appreciate that. Yeah, because this feels like an ensemble show, which to me is what Star Trek should be, and I Fresh like Discovery. It, it, I like, and you know, there's something about the tone for it, though, right? Like the uh, does does Discovery have the tone where you could have the poker game and it be 
be at all engaging. No. And and I was just thinking about Lorca. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> when he says to to Michael in like the third episode, and it says uh, he says like this could end the war, and we must win the war. Like that yeah. that kind of like imperialistic tone that he had it just doesn't work with 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 the with the poker game because you're gonna well, yeah. uh, this this whole, discovery was all about big ideas because he was, a it was all big ideas all the time yes but that's because he was right? A Terran, right so i guess the word the phrase is it just can't be down to earth in that way right but anyway look discovery is a different thing it's fine i, I wish it would i anyway this isn't a discovery review but one of the things that bothers me about discovery which i like overall is just that we just don't get to know the crew and it's my favorite part of star trek is getting to know the crew uh, and I like by episode two of Strange New Worlds, we were already there, right? And so I appreciate that. So. And the events are so large that it's hard to take time with that. It really does feel, because when you got yeah. to know Tyler in Discovery, it was like, oh, I don't care. Oh, let's go on with the big galactic event that we're in the yes. middle of, right? Well, which is another problem I have with Discovery, right? Where it's like, and obviously we haven't talked about much about this, about the format, but like Discovery is every season, there's some new threat that's going to destroy the universe, right? And you and, know what? This has been a great experiment. I'm glad Star Trek has gone through that phase yes. where they, they try that because I would like more of it. And then yes. we could we could bring it down to a personal level. That'd be great. Yeah. Right. And I and I what I'm hoping is that Strange New Worlds will be the counterbalance, if you will, to Discovery. That Discovery standing on its own, I think it turned a lot of people off because it tried this different thing. And like I said, it's every like you say, you know, it's and these you know big ideas funny? and these big threats. But without a counterbalance, what would you say your favorite, off. your favorite thing? What'd you say your favorite thing from Discovery was? Because I think it's going to prove our point. My favorite thing about Discovery? Yeah, what was your favorite thing that happened? Try to think about it. This is, is definitely whenever Pike and Number One show up, right? Um, it's kind of like the best part. It's the most fun part. Yeah, there's probably. some good Spock stuff at one point. I hear you, but like the best, it's got to be that. Yeah, probably. Right, and so there. I think I think a marriage between the two is what we need because it worked. It yes. was the best part of Discovery. Well, uh, Strange New Worlds works on its own, uh, but I think Discovery does need something to balance. Something, it. I, 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 let's try something else and, and ground it this time. Yeah, and they've been kind of moving that. But I, anyway, it, it's I think like I said, it'll be interesting to see how it exists because now that they're on it together, unfortunately they're two different time periods though. But at least now right. that the shows are on at the same time, it's interesting. It, I think it'll be interesting to see how Strange New Worlds plays off of. Or how discovery changes now that Strange New Worlds, or, and how the perception changes. So like you said, it can tackle these big ideas, while Strange New Worlds can be like, "We're just going to do an episode of the week," you know, and like that's that's yeah. fine. And and, and the so story starts and ends when this week when because of that model. Whenever if Pike does do something incredibly like like of galactic import, right? We we're on his side. It's it's yeah. like an, we're 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 interested in his in what he's his his agenda, right? His, his, yeah. what his initiative is. Yes, we want to see this character achieve his goal. Yeah. Uh, whereas it's a bit, it's a bit war room maps. It seemed a bit in in the motivation for a lot of discovery. Yeah, that was a long sentence. Sorry. No, that's fine. All right. So episode three, Ghost of Illyria, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Enterprise discovers and, and encounters a contagion that ravages the ship one by one. The entire crew is incapacitated except for number one. We must now confront a secret she's been hiding. She races to find a cure. So obviously she's a fembot. And a fembot. do you know what Illyria is? Do you know where Illyria, like where, what that word means? Where it comes, what part of what it is? No. Would you like to know? Yes. 
Okay. It is the, you know where Italy is? Yes. Uh, and the Mediterranean. East of it, across the water, that part of Europe, that's Illyria. Oh, okay. Well, obviously in Star Trek, it's also a planet that's way out uh, somewhere in the Federation. Also a villain from Buffy and Angel. So there's that. Oh, there's that. I know a lot of weird stuff about Illyria. Carry on. <laughs> anyway. So obviously, you know, this, this is all about, this is the eugenics episode, right? And so obviously we've got, we haven't mentioned her uh, yet, but, you know, we've also got the security officer, uh, La'an Noonien Singh, who obviously we know is related to Khan Noonien Singh, right? From the Wrath of Khan. Um, oh, I thought she was a character. I thought she was a crossover from, uh, what's Seth MacFarlane's show? Orville. The Orville? She seems like this. She's a security girl from Orville, right? Would she? Oh, yeah, because she left the Orville and she moved to this ship. No, it's totally different. No, remember, they, they, changed, they changed actors yeah, right? I know. in Orville. I know. Yeah. This is not that same So actor. that's who this is. No, this is. Uh, I know I it's not the same actress. But it just seems like. The, is that not the same person? Like, like I meant like. The same character. character. Like, either actor could have played this part. Um, no. Is she super strong? Yes, she is, isn't she? Because she's, she's a uh, synth synthetic or whatever. She's I, she's fairly strong, but not super strong. Still, she's stronger than the average bear. So sure. I'm just saying, you see, you don't you don't see this at all. I, I you know, didn't notice this. I, I I mean, I guess I see it now that you mention it, but it, it hadn't occurred to me beforehand. I, mean, I think they sniped it. I think oh, that's a really good like spot on the bridge. Like we should give it to someone like this, who's you know small and also super like a little bit extra strong. Yeah, and they're in charge of security, so they're rough. Yeah, right. I like that. I like it a lot. But in terms of her character, is not just totally different than Alara was too on on the Orville. So I, I didn't, I don't know. I guess is that's it? why I didn't. See I mean, it. you mean they had different backstories? I mean, but I don't no, know. even Alara was much more. Uh, I don't know, upbeat. I guess like Lon is definitely. I, well, as more we find out, yeah, in it's a later comedy. Episode, I'm on board. Well, as we find out in a later episode, right? I was just like, she's not big on uh, riffraff. You know, and uh, so her character just feels more by the books, I guess. That's the way. And, you know, and I think there's a part of it where, and what I like about this episode, episode three, is they touch on this idea of, you know, when you have this thing in your, in your past, your backstory, um, you feel like you have to overcompensate by being a certain way, right? Um, and obviously we tie this in with, with uh, number one, who we find out in this episode is actually Illyrian, right? Who were uh, all genetically modified. There was their whole thing. And of course, genetic modification not allowed in Federation because of the eugenics wars, right? And, and what happened in the past. Um, and La'an apparently had to deal with a lot of backlash about being associated with that, right? Because obviously she comes from that lineage. And so, uh, you know, there's a good scene that I really like at the end where after number one, you know, reveals to, to Pike and everything that, oh, I'm Illyrian, which means I'm genetically, you know, genetically modified and all that. Um, that he says, oh, well, you know, you're the best first officer that I've had. And so I'm not going to tell Starfleet. And, you know, so you're not going to have to, we're just going to pretend this never happened. Right. And, and everybody else, obviously the doctors, they all agree with that too. And, you know, she does her personal log at the end of it. And she's saying like, you know, what if I hadn't been the best first officer he'd ever had? Right. And so, you know, she says, you know, when will it ever be enough for me to just be me, right? And I have to be something exceptional so that people will overlook the fact that I'm 
essentially outlaw, right? Like, like I'm genetically engineered in the Federation, which doesn't allow genetic engineering. And I think that was, I, I like that. I mean, because I think that's a good, I think especially a lot of immigrants, and, you know, I say this obviously as, like, my dad was, you know, an immigrant, stuff like that, um, feel that kind of pressure sometimes. Like, you have to be exceptional to be accepted. And if you're not, then, you know, you get otherized, right? So I like, point. I like that. It's a good point. I thought of it that way. Yeah. I wouldn't have, though, would I? Well, no, <laughs> obviously, I don't think I don't think you have that backstory, right? But, so, but I think, and I saw a lot of people on on Twitter, um, in the Twitter sphere, in the Trek's Twitter sphere, uh, mentioned that 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 really spoke to them, and so I think that was a nice touch by this episode. All that being said, I don't know that I needed number one to be in Illyrian. Uh, I don't know how do you feel about that. Oh, I, I liked it. I always like Bashir the most, and I like her the most, so I'm glad that she is also uh, genetically uh, enhanced. Well, you know what's also funny about that is that uh, Andrew Siddig uh, did not like the that storyline of him being genetically engineered. Too bad, not the writer. <laughs> in fact, no, he said... <laughs> in fact, it's like a, he said that he played... So the episode where you find out that Bashir is, is genetically engineered... Yeah. Uh, he he said he played it intentionally bad because he didn't like the episode and he didn't want to put any effort into it. That's unprofessional. Wow. Yeah. But I, yeah. I think he also had a good point of it was like three episodes before that. He'd been stuck in that uh, Dominion uh, prison camp. And like he was like, if I was genetically engineered, why wouldn't I have been able to get out of that easier? <laughs> right. Because, because he didn't want to expose himself. Sure. That's that's okay. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, like, I don't know. I see, you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of people who didn't like, like, Last Jedi or something, and they go, man, this isn't even what Mark Hamill thought of it. I think that's so pathetic. It's that's really depressing. You fair. know what I mean? It's like, yes. okay, who gives a crap what he thinks? He's not, he just not, he didn't literally written zero Star Wars. That's right. right? It's the most disappointing thing about Mark Hamill is that he was so upset with The Last Jedi. Yeah, I, I don't, I just, I just could not care less. And in the same way, well, I love that actor. I don't care what he thinks about the writing. Yeah. What's he written that I like? Uh, that's a good point. I don't know. Yep. He's he's done a lot of good acting though. Also the joke. Hey, hey, you know so. what? I I to be fair, you can come on the show. Mark Hamill. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Both. Well, obviously both. Well, anybody. But anybody was the, uh, the the king of Dorne. Who's the king of Dorne? Uh, Bashir. Oh. Oh. Wait, the king of Dorne. Yeah. Was that? Uh, from Game of Thrones. Oh my god! I totally forgot he was Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the southern, the southern place, right where the they all wear the gold and everything like Dorn. that. Yeah, and he has that. What was it that the was his brother that champion that was fighting for him that gets his eyes gouged out by the mountain? Yes, <laughs> that red brutal Viper. scene. Yeah, red, yeah, Red Viper. Wasn't that? Wasn't that? Was that Pedro Pascal? I believe so. It was the guy who plays Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, Pedro Pascal. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was in, also in uh, Wonder Woman 1984. So, and now, now the lady you know, who plays his just died in Obi Wan. Oh, you also? Oh, I haven't watched the last episode of Obi Wan. Okay. Uh, so I may, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that because I only heard half of it. So I'm not going to ask you to repeat it because I think gotcha. it may have been a spoiler. That's what you get for skipping uh, Bible study. Is, well, we're not talking about Mandalorian. We're not talking about Obi Wan today. Um, but we will, right? We're going to talk about Obi Wan after the season finishes because there's only one episode left. So. 
Uh, but you know, also Pedro Pascal is playing uh, Joel in the Last of Us show on on HBO. I don't need that. That's stupid. I, I actually look forward to it. It's a video game. I don't. I don't need that. I already have that. It's called Last of Us. And they're also making a remake, The Last of Us Part One, for PS Five. Why? Why oh, it's good. <laughs> anyway, it's really good. It's that's why they would even have the money to make a second a remake is because it was so good. It is still good. It is still good. Why would you do that? Make another good game. That's so silly. Well, they did. They made The Last of Us Part Two. I know. Make, but make any other good game. Don't just remake the game you already made. It's silly. Anyway, it's a waste of time. Anyway, um, yeah. So we, I will say before we wrap up, Ghost of Illyria. Uh, this is also where we find out Doctor Ambega has a daughter who he's keeping in his uh, uh, transporter buffer. Um, this is the one I think I really didn't need. Uh, we've gotten we talked a lot about all these backstories we didn't need stuff like that. The Doctor Ambega with the with the daughter in the transporter. I just I didn't I I. Didn't. I, I kind of thought it was cute. That's fine. That's what I could use, like some compelling stuff like that, right? Well, sure, but then it never. It actually, like, then we don't talk about, about it again for like four spent. more episodes. <laughs> I mean, but like it barely comes up again, right? Right. That's great. I don't need all Is that it? much of it. And now, anytime I see him, I know that about him. That's what kind of my whole point about the dinner scene taking too long, right? Because I mean, I care as much about him as definitely as I do about Uhura's backstory, right? His daughter backstory is just as compelling, and it takes up all like a fraction of that time. And I I like him just as much. So I like that it was quick, and then uh, I feel this way about him. Um, it's still not resolved either, right? She's still sick in the buffer. It'd be a good, nice I'm season sure. one thing. I don't know. I I don't know what. Well, anyway, and we'll get to this because it comes up again in episode six. And so I have thoughts about that. But but you're allowed to not like it. I'm sorry for for bashing on your opinion. It just, it just feels weird, right? It's like this thing that's just always happening in the background. Like what happens? And like because the next episode, right? They lose power. Okay, so I guess the buffer still has power. So yeah. I guess she's okay. <laughs> like, what if happens problem. if they ever lose power? And then, like, is that how the story's going to resolve? Oh, we the ship really gets damaged this time. And sorry, your daughter got lost in the powder buffer. My bad. He's probably got backup files. I don't think that's how it works. Every time he messes up, he like, just like refreshes it to a, and goes back to a previous save. <laughs> well, they're making it pretty clear that she's still aging. And she's not this aging. She's going to revolutionize parenting, Paul. You're just going to put it. Yeah. When you have time to deal with them, you'll take them out of the pattern buffer oh, and God. you'll raise them. And otherwise, they go back in the buffer. This is going to be great. But she, great she, idea. So, yeah, so uh, man, it's gonna be weird though, because he's aged like three years and she's aged like you know twenty seven minutes. Yeah, well, it's gonna get more and more awkward. Hard my language. All right. Anyway, so then we get episode four, Memento Mori. Uh, synopsis: While on a routine supply mission to a colony planet, U.S. Enterprise comes under attack from an unknown malevolent force. Pike learns the enemy cannot be dealt with by conventional Starfleet means. So, this is the submarine episode. How did you feel about this one? Submarine episode. Oh, yeah. I really liked it. Yes. I really, really liked it. Big yeah, fan. I forgot all about that. I was really compelling. I, but I, I know I, I forgot it and I love it, right? But I, I do. I did. I quite liked it. Yeah. Big fan. I, I'm a big fan of these submarine stories in general. Uh, the movies also, I mean, obviously, you know, I, you know, uh, making it feel like a submarine lets you do um, poker night and dinners. Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. I'm saying like, yes, this, yeah, like yeah. Discovery doesn't feel like a submarine. No, nah, that's fair. But yeah, yeah. And Discovery has a different vibe because it's 
they're always closer to like Starfleet headquarters and stuff like that. So they not to bash on Discovery, it. but kind of to bash on Discovery. Uh, Matt, you remember the Year of Hell arc on Voyager? Yes. Can you imagine something like that on Discovery, and you not like tearing your eyes out? And I don't hate Discovery. Don't get me wrong, but like, yeah, yeah. I don't hate it. Hate it. Like so. No. But do you see what I mean? See how they just like couldn't happen? Sure. Like it just would not work. Sure. Am I crazy? Yeah. No, 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 no. This I way. Agree. I agree. Yeah, there's the something story. about the, the, the submarine uh, nature or feeling um, the setting is, allows you to do something like that, where as Discovery could not. Any, sorry, no more Discovery no, for no, no. the next few minutes. <laughs> but uh, fun quick trivia for the Year of Hell. That was originally intended to be a season-long arc, but they shot that down, and so it could only I can see that. Harder. So that explains it. it explains, I thought they were doing a fun thing, because I yeah. loved that when I was a kid. I was like, this Great is episode. awesome. It's what, it's what Voyager could have been in my opinion but uh also it, it was written by ronald d moore who um also was one of the lead writers on ds9 uh one of co-creators and lead writers on battlestar galactica and now the creator and writer of uh for all mankind so okay so so let's say you're a prisoner of war right sure and the car the cardassians right and okay. and and, and you, a a captain or commander of a federation starship is, is has publicly said they're coming to get you okay. uh uh who 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 do you find most reassuring right if it, who would it be who would you prefer to say that we mean which captain yeah who do you who would you be most re uh relieved to hear is coming to save you Oh, if, I, if I'm a prisoner, you I'm don't a... have to quibble into ranks. I, I, that's why I tried to preempt it. You're gonna irritate me. Okay. I'm kidding. All right, right. Well, <laughs> all right. If I'm a prisoner, so I'm just gonna limit it to captains because the appetite is exactly why I don't want. I don't care. But this, but lead, if I'm a prisoner, chair, the lead man. If I'm a prisoner, Cardassian prisoner, I want either Cisco or Janeway. It's Janeway, right? But I see Cisco. But you, it's gotta be I Janeway. Cisco. You're saying so you can't. You almost can't pick Cisco because he's divine, but. <laughs> well, yeah, right now of he's, he's off. He's in. off at yeah, the I'd... celestial temple, but but let's assume in a time yeah. period where he's not, you know, yeah, quite playing with the wormhole aliens. Yeah, uh, see, that's what I said to you one day. Like I just texted you out of nowhere. Like Jamie's my captain. Absolutely. Well, Janeway's not my captain in every situation. Janeway's in that situation. Yes, she's coming to get me. Yes, she is. So I'm definitely taking. But I mean, Cisco has that thing where obviously I want that on I my mean, tombstone, Paul. Janeway's coming to get me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, in that situation, hundred percent, Janeway's probably the best bet. But I feel like Cisco's right there. I mean, I feel like oh no, he, I, they I fought. Do. What if they fought? What if their crews fought? What do you mean? Like they like they, Cisco's on the station. She's in the sure. ship, and they have to like they go they they come to a disagreement, and they have to resolve it. But like they, they, the con conflict breaks out. And uh, they're put up against each other. They're smarts. Oh, you mean like Janeway's crew versus Cisco's crew? Yeah. And they're I'd probably take Janeway, Janeway. At, that, at that moment. Can't not root for Janeway. I mean, she spent all the time in the Delta Quadrant, right? Yeah, she, I know. She I know. fucked up win. the Borg, something serious. So, like, I'm she's one of those. She's, she's like, right? Like, the that, that caged animal to do. Like, when you get them trapped on a the corner, they just fuck you up, right? Like she's so used to that from spending all that time in the Delta Quadrant and fighting the Borg and species A four seven two and you know what I'm saying? That like like comp I like competent professional people and Cisco is that, but mm, she's so plucky. She's so optimistic. That's what it is. I like optimism. The 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 one 
Cisco the, feels like he needs another cup of coffee all the time. Right, but okay. The one thing I will point to that Cisco did that definitely gets on the same level because obviously, just think about in 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 the major context of Janeway. She sided with the Borg to defeat eight four seven two, and then she turned around and genocided the Borg, <laughs> like just two dope. seasons later. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. Janeway's like, it, man. She has no chill. I, there should be a Janeway movie. There should be a Janeway movie. That would be great. There's like, a Janeway you know, TV show. And she's you getting old. It's like Logan. But Janeway. There's a Janeway TV show and you refuse to watch it. <laughs> Star Trek Prodigy. Oh, yeah, but it's not really her, right? It's just like a hologram. Well, I mean, spoilers. It is her at the end. Uh, okay, well, you know what? I'll make. I'll resolve to... I'm, I'll take a little vacation. We'll, I'll come over and we'll watch it together. All right. Well, so... At some point. Just a, it's not that long anyway, so sure. Well, it's not that long right now. There's only 10 episodes so far, but... That's what I'm saying. Then there's 10 episodes later this year, and then it's already been picked but up. But they're like 20 two. minutes. Yeah, yeah, they're like 20, 25 minutes, yeah. Yeah, so it's not that bad. It's like two movies. We watch, sure. I'll watch two movies with you. <laughs> but anyway, mild spoilers. Uh, yeah, so it's mainly hologram Janeway through most of it. All but right, so we need to get back on task. Episode four, Baltimore well, just Memento at the, Mori. At the end, Admiral Janeway shows up. Future Admiral Janeway shows up, so... Anyway, cool. Memento more, yeah. So as I said, this is a submarine episode. Um, it's in the vein of Balance of Terror, which is the TOS episode where we first meet the Romulan. Um, but it's also in the vein of classic submarine movies, right? So um, obviously, for me, it's more 80s, 90s stuff. So I'm thinking like uh, Hunt Red October, Crimson Tide. Love that movie. Um, this is definitely in that vein. Very tense, right? How do you get out of the situation? You know, also reminds me a lot of Wrath of Khan that did this very well, right? When they when they're in the nebula um, at the end, and it's it's the battle is more of a is more of a a chess match than it is, you know, a straight up boxing match. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's this game of strategy, and yeah, overall, I loved it. A lot of tension in this episode. Uh, we also get the good story with Ahura and Hemmer. Um, Right, that was this episode, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that we could see a lot more Hemmer and him coming to to understand how to open up, which I thought was a really good um, allegory for obviously, you know, Hemmer plays um, uh, what are they called? Enar, uh, you know, which are the um, Andorian subspecies who you know lived underground at Enterprise, and uh, well, I mean. That's just where we've met them, but uh, presumably they live there all the time. And, you know, they're blind. And so we got an introduction to him in season two. You know, he's blind, but hey, all of his other senses um, mean he's actually really good at all these different things. Um, but, you know, I saw a lot of uh, disability advocates talk about how uh, they really identify with this story because, you know, he, he doesn't he doesn't like to be helped, right? He plays the character of, like, he doesn't like to be helped but when he's put in a situation where he does have to rely on somebody else right it's coming to coming to grips with that and being okay with that you know um mm-hmm. that was a really nice allegory and especially coming from a character who um, is played by an actor who himself is blind uh i saw a lot of people appreciate that and i think contrasting it with one of the things that star trek <laughs> strange new worlds has done not very well which is you know pike's treatment of his knowledge of his future disability um uh, was well it was, it was good to see because there's been also been a lot of backlash to pike being like well i know i'm going to end up in this chair in the future 
right? And that means I wish they would stop. I wish over. they would just back out of the face melting part. Like, let's just make him catatonic, and let's make him like. I just like it have to be this horror show still. Like, it, come on, with the plastic face. Well, like, it, yeah, let's it feels not do it. It feels a bit. Um, that wasn't what I'm looking for. Disaster porn, right? Um, that's yeah, exactly perfect. Exactly exploitative, right? And yeah, quite. I, and I like that, you know, after the, especially in the last few episodes, it really, we haven't talked about it very much. And I'm happy about that because when they do talk about it, it's not very good. Right. It's like, it's and this it really whole thing. Is just, it really is just that it's so gross. Like, I wish they could just like, it, just, it really just was so visually repellent. Like, it makes me not well, want to focus on it. And it's, I think it distracts from the story. Well, anyway, I think that's the wrong thing to take from it. But I think, I think the, the thing that I don't like about it is that he keeps talking about it. Like he, like he literally says, it's when my life is in when he's talking about when he goes in the chair and it's just like, if you're a person who's disabled, that really is hurtful for somebody to say that like, Oh, your life ends when you become disabled. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And I get that. Yeah. You know what? That's right. That's a good point. And so, so to see he is uniquely una disabled though. Well, yeah. I mean, he can't speak and all that stuff. It is, it is pretty bad. He's offending that, like uh, maybe a hundred people. Who, who has it that bad? Uh, probably more people than anything, but there, I, I, I agree. You too? It's it's pretty bad, but still. But then also, like, if you actually know his story, it ends up actually not even being that bad. He goes to Talos Four, and he ends up living his life with the woman he loves. Right. So I mean, like, right, right, right. But I don't know. That, I don't know that he knows. That. I don't know that he saw that part of his future. So yeah. But anyway, all right then. Sorry. But anyway, but it's so it's nice to see the Himmer story and to be a good counterbalance of like, oh, this is actually a well done um, allegory. So, um, but overall. Yeah, just episode was just so good. It was just so tense. Builds the tension properly, relieves it properly. My only problem with it is, oh, and, and we don't see the Gorn, which is, um, which is good. And and I do like that it sets up the Gorn as this particularly menacing species. I do too. I'm really into it. I, I I'm really into it. They 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 are sufficiently, yeah, scary, uh, menacing, yes. menacing. Perfect word. I really like it. I really like it. Which is it's so funny because obviously when you think They're of the silly. Gorn. Well, yeah, when you think of going from TOS, it seems silly because this is the dude in the rubber suit, right? Yeah, yeah. But this show, and, and, and he was just bolting. They're gross under there. Well, and you do, and you do it without <laughs> them even seeing, right? Exactly. Like exactly. you, you never actually see them, which is like what's so. I don't know. It's just, it was Warpings. done really well. So yeah, I'm a big fan of this episode overall. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so episode five, Spock Amok. Uh, so this is lines drawn at the sidetrack challenge after several art all-star teams, all-stars team up to target their biggest competition. Two players are shocked. I have a feeling this is not the right synopsis that I grabbed from something. Uh, anyway, Spock Amok was actually the episode where, uh, is essentially the Freaky Friday story. Oh, I loved it so much. Spock and T'Pring switch bodies. Loved it so much. <laughs> I did too. And you know what I love about this? See, this is this is an example of how actually good the writing of Star Trek Strange New Worlds is. Is that you follow up the episode for Memento Mori, which is so tense, right? And then what do you do the next episode? You'd be like, we're going to have a shore leave episode where it's just fun. There's just We're just having fun. You know what I'm saying? And it was such a good tension reliever you know what i mean i do and it was just such a well-placed episode where they go on shore leave and they just we get like we get the body switch story we're, we're just there's just people having fun i enjoyed it this was this felt like a good 
classic Star Trek episode where, like you say, it just ends up in the middle of the season. You know, see, this yep. is episode 14 where you were just like, you know, it, it reminds me of um, Take Me Out to the Hall of the Suite, right? Of DS9, where it's oh, like yeah. right in the middle of the Dominion War. And this is got, a lot better. Well, and you've got so, yeah, it's a better episode than that. But, you know. But I take your point. But yeah, it's the same kind of thing where it's like, you know, we've had 12 episodes of just the war, right? And things being awful. And now we're just going to go play baseball in the Hall of Suite. You know what I mean? This reminded me of that. It's just like. Quite racism. Well, sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. Um, but no, but this reminded me of this. Like I said, everybody just gets to decompress and just have some fun, you know? And and we even get specifically, right? This is the episode where we get uh, number one and La'an. And they go do the, the Enterprise bingo thing, right? And they're just, right? And this is where we find out that uh, number one's nickname is uh, where fun goes to die. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, I can I just say, I just want to drop in. I could use, I could honestly, now that we're doing Vulcan stuff, and maybe we will get it with Cybok, but the lot, but the, I mean, I guess it's the opposite. But the, what, what are they called? The logic extremists from Discovery? Yeah. I could use more of that. I really like that. I really love the like the whole trope of I'm sorry to say the the the, the humanities being uh leading to some kind of Nazi thing. I think I think that's a really cool story subplot. I do. Um and cuz presumably like that's uh, always a a worry about western philosophy is that if you there's a claim that if you follow it you can logically get yourself to do something horrible for eugenics. And I I like that. I like that downfall trope. I would like the Vulcans to to have some of that. You know what I mean? I think that'd sure. be an interesting story. Well, I mean, I just like the variety that we get in Vulcans in general, especially we've gotten since Enterprise. Enterprise really introduced right. Inter Inter Enterprise introduced the Dick Vulcans, right? Um, yeah, which a lot of people didn't like, but then by the end of this of series of you know at season three, you kind of it wraps up like why it was that way. Um, but I like in you know Discovery introduced, like I said, you know, logic extremists and stuff like that. I, I like growing the idea of what Vulcans are because for so long, you know, Spock was the main thing that we had as a Vulcan, but he was, you know, half human. And so um then you kind of get Tuvok, right, who is even more just no emotion. Dad like right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and then uh for me, to Paul, to Paul is my favorite Vulcan. Um and and she really brought some, I thought some interesting dynamics to to Vulcans. Um, so yeah, I agree. And I hope this show, and it seems like they are leaning into we're going to get a diversity of of what it means to be Vulcan. That not everybody's on board, right, with the Tuvok way of doing things, right? Right. But I like the but even the even the extreme side of it, and that could be why. Right? We don't like it. Looks, looks. See, look at the. It gets out of hand. They get these logic extremists. I I like the logic extremists. Though. I want to see more of it. That's all I'm dropping here. Sorry. Yeah. So Spock and Buck. Yeah. Well, no. And then uh, I really didn't expect to see so much Tapring in this show, but man, we've gotten a lot of Tapring, right? And I um, like her. I um, like her. How how much would you say she has? Like, what's her position on the the biracial nature of Spock? Like, is he? She's she's fine with it, but it seems like she. I, I, I feel like she paid lip service otherwise, but I think for the most part, she seems pretty horrified by his human, human traits. Well, I think... And I don't like it. Well, but I think, I think this episode... I like them. Sorry, carry on. But I think this episode is, is where... 
So I think she struggles with it, right? Because she is Vulcan, and I think she does take that logic idea quite a bit, right? wonders what she's in it for. Is she in it for, like, political status or money or something? Like, was why else would well, you with someone unless you so, like, this is a half-human, dude? Well, they like, mentioned... What do they, you think you're married? What do you think you're dating? No, so they mentioned like, that they were promised to each other from when they were kids. So presumably it's, like, an arranged marriage that. situation. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Well, also, be a good sport. They were bound to each other. <laughs> wow. And also, don't arrange, don't force arrange marriage. Well, I think it's, it's probably not forced. It's probably just like cultural. Sure, sure. Right. And obviously, you well, and I have, have some experience with that. There's this idea of like, well, it's arranged, but it's like semi arranged, right? Like, you can opt out, right? It's all very and, logical. It's all very logical. And, and obviously, um, you know, we know from TOS that she does opt out. <laughs> so, you know, ooh, you know, it'd be really cool. I, I hate to I hate to hate to drone on the Nazi horn, but like, it'd be really cool if they told us that the reason they do arranged marriages is to prevent eugenics like schemes, right? Because like they do they, they whatever method they use for arranged marriage, maybe it's like it's not it doesn't allow you to look. Oh, if this person this person have a kid, it'll be it'll have genetic advantages. Like they don't allow you to do that, right? Because it will allow you to like because it would lead to crazies. Right, because that would okay. be the that would be the. I mean, if you want to have the best kid, maybe that's the best way to do it. But you just like prevents you from even asking that question because it's creepy and gross, which it is. So they just arrange marriages based off of increasing the diversity of the gene pool. Uh, or that, or maybe that's even the wrong way. Maybe it's just uh, maybe you just like their values, like this family's values, this family's values. You know, mm. so. I don't know. And, and that one makes less sense to me. Because all right, the whole I, thing with Vulcans is I'm, I'm, I'm making about a spot. But you see what I'm saying? I think that I think that would be uh that could be a compelling connection yeah. to the logic extremists, right? Sorry, I'm It'd be just, interesting. Um sorry, Star Trek makes anyway, my brain go all over the place. My bad. No, no, that's fine. But anyway, but yeah, obviously to bring I think obviously, yeah, she deals with I think that she's she struggles with just so I think what where we find from this show is that she's struggling with um, Spock being distant and him being in Starfleet. And I think she's blaming that on his human half wanting to be in Starfleet and wanting to, you know, explore. Right. And so I, I don't necessarily know if it's racism in the sense of, oh, I don't like it. He's half human. As much as it well, is that, like, I don't feel comfortable in this neighborhood is what it looks like to me. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even think it's, it's that. Not? No, no, I think it's that she wants him to be more devoted to her in their relationship, but she feels like he's not, he's putting, he's prioritizing Starfleet over her, and she feels like he's doing it because he's half human. You know see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, well, maybe he, what if, so what if he is? Well, and what we find out in this episode is like he kind of is, but not in the way that she thinks, right? And and so what I like about this episode, you know, the whole theme of this episode is just empathy, right? And and it, it comes through every subplot of the story, um, because you know. So there's also we get the diplomatic, you know, uh, B plot, right? Which is where um, just cute, I dig. Which is where Pike is trying to to you know make diplomatic relationships with this you know other species. I forget what they're called, um, but their whole methodology of diplomacy is um uh empathy right so so they take on the mannerisms and personality characteristics of whatever species they're negotiating with right so so when they're talking to pike they're all super jovial and you know have a good time and all that stuff and when they when they are negotiating with spock 
they're super logical and very withdrawn emotionally. Um, apparently, we we get references to it. We didn't see it, but when they were negotiating with the Tellerites, which the Tellerites, if you you know from Enterprise, we know are very um, gruff. <laughs> Their whole yeah. thing is they insult each other a lot. Uh, so apparently, they did that right, and they were looking for the ability of Starfleet to do the same, right? To, to show empathy. Um, and that's what obviously, uh, when, when Pike steps up and says, Hey, I, you know, I'm, uh, I stand behind Spock. He's a member of my crew and he's one of the best members of my crew. And, you know, anyway, all that stuff, right. He gives, he gives one of his captain speeches that I like, um, that, you know, that shows to that species that, Hey, Starfleet also has empathy, and so we can we can trust them, and we can join the Federation, right? And so there's that that through line for all these different stories of empathizing pe- with people. And so what Supreme is a finding out because of that, right? From the speeches, you know, Spock is he does prioritize Starfleet, and it is because he's human, but it's not. It's because he's half human, and because in Starfleet he's just accepted. He doesn't have to be That's any true. one that, thing or the yeah, other. And uh, yeah, this is my favorite part of the J.J. Abrams movies. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I, I think yes, the JJ Abrams movies I think did Spock well, right? In that regard. Yes. And so I think we get kind of the same thing here. And so um yeah, and then obviously we get some side story stuff with uh uh like I said, um uh Nurse Chapel. We get more with her and Spock, you know, asking for help. Um we get some side story about her <laughs> obviously not wanting to commit to relationships. So, I don't know. How do how you feel about Nurse Chapel so far? I really like her. Um, I guess we're getting a lot more of Spock's relationship stuff than I thought we would. But, okay. I'm fine with that. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, I know you're not that familiar with TOS. I'm not either. Um, I haven't watched all of it. I've, I've, mainly, I've gotten through most of season one. Um, and then I've seen bits and pieces of seasons two and three. But one of the through lines of TOS is... Uh, there's Chapel being in love with Spock. Um, ah, is that really a thing in TOS? Yeah, yeah. Huh. So Nurse Chapel was played by Magel Barrett, who also played number one. Uh, but she also, she played Loxana Troy. Um, it was obviously Gene Roddenberry's wife. Uh, yes. And yeah, so she played Nurse Chapel. Um, and yeah, there's like she was so thirsty for Spock in TOS. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know we're getting the beginnings of that here in this show so but i i love nurse i love the actress jess bush great big fan uh and so but yeah and so we start to see her you know giving advice and uh to spock and and kind of the the birth of that relationship so anyway lots of good fun subtly undermining it (laughs) do what subtly undermining it undermining what Spock's relationship is the joke. Oh, undermining her, his relationship with with Tupring because she likes him. Yeah. Well, no, I feel like in this episode she did a pretty good no, job. Of course not. Of course not. She gave him good. good she's Starfleet. She wouldn't do that. Well, she's not Starfleet. But it looks bad. Looks bad to be giving relationship advice when you like somebody. So, so just to be clear, be just be clear, Nurse Chapel is As not an ethical Starfleet. matter. I don't approve. And just to be clear, Nurse Chapel is not Starfleet. Oh. She's on the Enterprise, but she's a civilian. Uh, they mentioned it in episode fair, one, fair. but. Well, fair enough. She can be as deplorable as she likes. <laughs> sure. Um, all right. And then we get episode six. Lift us where suffering cannot reach. 
Uh, synopsis, a threat to an idyllic planet reunites Captain Pike with the lost love of his life, which I'm already have a problem with that because the lost love of his life was, um, what's her name from Talos four from the, um, pilot. But anyway, uh, to protect her and a scientific holy child from a conspiracy, Pike offers his help and is forced to face unresolved feelings of his past. How'd you feel about this episode? I, I, it was a lot. It feels like it's hard to believe it was one episode because the, I, I didn't see the ending coming. I did not see the kid thing. I guess I should have, or what was the kid show? Why are they being weird about it? Did you see it right away that they were going to do something weird with this kid? I feel stupid that I didn't. I didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but yeah, pretty early I was like, oh, uh, some, I don't something's know what I was thinking. Here. I must've been busy doing something else when I was watching it. Cause I, yeah, I didn't see it, but I did. And I was like, Ooh, gross. Ooh. Yeah. I uh I didn't like that this. That lady episode. was so nice and then but but then she was so smug. I was sure that she was no good. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I, I didn't like this episode. This this is the one episode of the season that I didn't like. It didn't oh, work I still for me. quite liked it for the, I, the I carry don't. on. There there's a lot of things that don't work for me. I mean, one is that I feel like they didn't set up the the payoff well enough. So to me, so so yeah, so it, it was obvious to me from the beginning that something's off with these people, right? And obviously, anytime you bring up a child and you're referring to them as the holy child and they have to ascend and all that stuff. So that, yeah, I know, it was so silly. It, it, it freaks I, me I, out I, a little I, bit. I don't know why I didn't see it. I feel like, I know, what a fool. But but it what they didn't set up properly to me was the um, the concept of, um, oh, that this planet is, is an idyllic planet, right? Like, Oh uh, yeah. So Prove so it. <laughs> well, and that it's that they're overcoming something. So we find out that to like towards the end that apparently the planet is like covered in lava. It's like a volcanic planet and it's only the so they all live in floating cities above it. Right? And so what we find out towards the end is that it somehow their ancestors developed some technology that harvests energy from a particular child that keeps their cities floating, right? Right, yeah, it's just the whole mechanism, the whole utopia runs on the, it's a sure. lottery. It's for like, it's the lottery. Sure. Lottery. Who but, wrote the lottery? But to me, they didn't set it up. Oh, we look so uh, not well read. Who wrote the lottery? Who wrote the lottery? The the short story, the lottery, where they stoned the lady. I have no idea. Oh, I'm so put it in the comments. Anywho. Yeah, I don't even know what that is, to be honest. Well, oh, so it's a famous short story where uh, the whole town draws straws and then the loser gets stoned, right? It's, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's a famous one. And okay. this is what this is, right? It's the, it's the same moral question because you know, it's going to make the crops good. Well, apparently this is, there's actually a short story that's even closer to this where it's like, it's something about they have to sacrifice a child to keep society running or something like that, that this is based off of. Which would be based off of, which that would be based off sure. of the lottery as well. Sure. <laughs> Well, I, I, I don't know. Pretty, I don't know which one came big. first, right? But anyway, but yeah, so I mean, I feel like they didn't do a good enough job setting up at the beginning that, oh, that there's this planet who is, that it's idyllic and, oh, by the way, it's, right? Like these cities are all floating above this hellscape, right? Oh, and I know why they did it. I figured out why the inventors of all this stuff made it that way with the kid. Would you like to know? Well, sure. It's also, the answer is found in Orville. It's because whoever put it together said, oh, the world's going to be perfect after this, after we set this whole thing running. But I need to remind them, we need to remind them of, that they're trash, that their family is trash. Their whole family is trash. 
<laughs> no, it's like yeah, it kind of is that. It's like you can you can be you can be the most perfect society, but we're gonna make sure that you have to do something awful to remember that you're trash. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, I feel like. So I feel like the 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 structure of this episode is a little off. Like I said, they, I feel like they didn't set that stuff up well enough. Um, I, I also just I have a problem with just. I, there's a couple of things I have a problem with. I, I, number one, I would say human sacrifice. The, number one, definitely. Well, human sacrifice, definitely. <laughs> but but the, to me, so then you get to the end though, when Pike figures everything out, right? And he confronts the the woman. I forget her name already, but. Yeah, he confronts his girlfriend that he just banged, right? And she does this whole speech about, like, can you really say that there's, you know, well, we know this is coming. We know this child has to sacrifice everything, and we don't look away from it, and we, you know, we praise them, and they're given super great status and blah, 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 right? Before, right before we torture them for the rest of their life. And, you know, she, and then she turns to him and says, can you really say that there's no child in the Federation that lives in poverty or lives in squalors while those with the haves continue to, pretend they don't exist or something like that and i'm sitting here going like no that's the Brody. whole point of the federation there's no poverty there's no money anymore right like there's no capitalism right, we got it pretty good you know what i mean we don't do this but let's right. uh, but let's take it at face value it's it's an old argument it's the argument um that is made it's not that old uh but it might be sorry i don't know everything the but there's a those trying to defend not defend but people who study civilizations that do that perform human sacrifices like the aztecs um mm. you think why would this happen well if you compare it to our form of warfare where there's you go out and you just kill everybody on the other side for the most part without you know there may be some sh chivalry order that you don't kill knights but but in general this is this huge loss of human life you kill the other person's army uh in this case it's uh, for for like the Aztecs or the human sacrificing, it's to capture nobles for human sacrifice. But it, the loss of life in total during the war is could be far less by this method, right? Because what you want is is is, is sacrifices. Uh, so they make an argument that it's less barbaric, almost right, than our form of war. Like, but but uh, then. And, and it's tempting, but then I'm not really convinced because. Sorry, I know I'm going on a soapbox here. Uh, but what, what doesn't convince me about it, what makes it feel funny is that the thing, of, you, you must be assuming that some person in this war you're talking about is just, right? The, like for there to be any kind of like moral better. So somebody's, somebody's on the right side of, of a war, say, then uh, it, it must be the case for it to be just, I claim, that the the war would be necessary. There'd be no other way to do it, right? And so if there's no other way but through war, then you're going to have to kill everybody, right? Like, th there wasn't, there was no chivalry in the Punic Wars or in World War II, right? It was all out, um, human sacrifices wouldn't work. Yeah, It makes me wonder if, if even, like, those kind of civilizations could have great power conflicts, because it probably isn't feasible if someone else is just willing to kill everyone. Sorry, that was a lot. But it makes me, this human sacrifice, it makes you think about it. Because part of you thinks, okay, well, there is an argument that if it runs your society, it makes it better, then the human sacrifice is worth it. And, I, and it just feels really analogous to what people say about, you know, uh, Native American ancient civilizations that sacrifice people. Paul. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like in this case, that was a lot. Sorry. Yeah. Well, no, but I, I get it. But I mean, I feel that like in me. this case, you know, because obviously Star Trek has ta- tackled the idea of war and like sanitation of war, right? Uh, there's a TOS episode where uh, essentially these two species have been at war for, or and not two species, but these two uh, civilizations on this planet have been at war for, I don't know, like 400 years or something like that. And what they've gotten to the point where they don't actually fight anymore. They just like draw numbers and uh, the, the people who get drawn that day, they have to walk into these rooms where they just get vaporized, basically. Um, and that's just how they keep the war going, right? Um, and so the idea is once it became so sanitized like that, right, that then it became perpetual and nobody wanted to stop it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, there... <sighs> So, yeah, Star Trek has done that before. I feel like in this case, it all gets undermined by the idea of um, if this species is so advanced, which theoretically they are because from, you know, they have warp technology, right? And they uh, have this amazing medical technology, which means they have no disease at all on their planet, right? And move to a different planet. And and they obviously can, and you know how I know because there are people from their species on another planet who said that we don't want to be part of this anymore, right? And it's like so you're sitting, you're sacrificing this child so that you can live this idyllic planet, but like, just take your warp ships and go to another planet that you don't have to have floating cities above a volcanic hell. I know, but you can always write your way around that. Like it's just they wanted to create this dilemma right because because I yes know, of course they could write it that way like but i know maybe but they could easily if, but that that's what this. but that's what immediately if you're going to make the moral conundrum about it that's what immediately makes me not on their side nah, because they could just i can write you out of it uh their ships right they have they're connected to this network they don't run like uh like they don't have the same kind of engineers that we do right the, the ships are more automatic and it won't run if the system's down so you need the kid to run the ships so see but, like if they wanted to for if they want to force this moral question but there are can. people there are people from the species that are on another planet right uh they did i'm sorry maybe i don't quite grasp the full point so yeah there are people on another planet so who decided they didn't want to be part of this like their whole species but they're not winning right they don't have the same technology uh no not overall but See, so it doesn't. So they don't get to live the the cush life. But but they're not. In the they don't live a cush game. life. They live a pretty. They make it clear that yes, they live a pretty rough life on this colony, but it's still it's worth it, right? I mean, right. that's, so, that's yeah, my moralistic for, for human view. life. That's 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 a good question. That's that's what they're trying to force. Right. I don't. To me, it's just not even a question. I just don't have any sympathy. For of course, it. of course not. Of course not. But it's worth bringing up because people, people throughout history have, in fact, made this calculation and have argued for it. Right. And so yeah, they just. Are, this is a classical humanist bad people. ideal. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Those are bad people. If they're making that argument. Oh, absolutely. Of course they are. Of course they are. Yes, yeah. that's uh, entirely okay. correct. Uh, just, but yeah. Well, you know, you got to make your bad guy bad. This is one of the. This is a good way to do it. I was fine with it. I really liked it. I, yeah. well i, I didn't uh, yeah, I but, but <laughs> in particular no i mean like the story is okay but like like i said there are also bones of the way the story was told that i didn't like and i mentioned already about the you know they didn't set up the what it was going on, on the planet soon enough in my opinion but the other thing too is there are these little things that happen throughout the episode um and so like it's so like towards the end where uh the dad and the kid right they go get beamed off the ship onto that other you know the rebel as we find out, uh, you know, the rebels from the other planet. 
um, and they were trying to kidnap the kid so that he wouldn't get tortured for life, right? Um, so so they beam him off the transporter pad onto the planet. Then Enterprise tractor beams him to try to keep him from getting away from going to warp. They go to warp anyway, and then the ship blows up, right? And they think, oh my god, the kid died, right? And but then they find the kid in a storage container on the Enterprise, right? And then Spock says, oh, I think the captors beamed him. They didn't beam him to the ship. They beamed him from the transporter pad to this this cargo box or whatever, right? It made zero sense. Why would they do that? Like, I found, if, out, I found it, it hard to follow when it happened. And finally, it was just was like, okay, well, I guess, I guess that's what happened. I know, but it doesn't make any sense, right? Because like, if you're trying to save the kid, why would you beam him? Why why would you just keep him on? Why would you beam him from one place on the Enterprise to the other? Maybe his so plan that was he could to be reveal found. everything once once they got caught, right? You know, like maybe maybe a he doesn't think that that we're gonna catch him on the sensors, which would be stupid, or he thinks but, that uh, he'll be able to tell us about that they're gonna sacrifice this kid once he's uh, once it looks like they're dead. Because now there's but, no moral conundrum, right? Because now because if as if if, if if the other side knows, right? If the if the main planet knows. That but the, the kid is still alive, and but it was the all dad gets one thing. But if they don't know, and then Pike has to decide whether to tell him, right, that actually the kid's alive, or they could just there's like there's it costs nobody anything now because the kid's dead. He could just go into uh, adoption at for at the Federation. See what I'm saying? But, no, but the thing I'm is, trying to help it. <laughs> so I know, but it doesn't make any sense because the Federation. We already know from plenty of Star Trek that if you request asylum, the Federation's going to give you an asylum hearing, right? And so the dad, even after even after all this stuff happens. The dad doesn't tell them what happened and requests asylum. But okay, yeah, imagine that he beamed him to another place and they wanted to stay hidden until the Enterprise left. And then so that once the Enterprise got out of range, they could request asylum. But even if they had been in range of this planet, they still could have requested asylum. And we'd already established that none of those people's ships had anything that could stand up to the Enterprise because they destroy them without even trying, basically, right? They shoot them with phasers. <laughs> And, right. and Uhura accidentally misfires and just crashes the whole ship, right? So it's very clear that, like, and, and that ship, by the way, which is holding the, the, the technologically more advanced, you know, planet's ship hostage. So clearly, they're better than the other ships. So, like, none of these ships in this, in either one of these people's planets pose any danger to the Enterprise. Like, just request asylum there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just didn't make any sense. So th that's what I'm saying. There was like all these little story plot holes. that were just like, what? This doesn't make any sense. And so anyway, it, that's all the stuff added up to like, I just didn't like this episode. And then I think the biggest thing I didn't like was um, in Benga, right? And so again with this. Well, no, because it brings back his kid, right? Yeah. And the idea of, oh, she's got this, you know, she's got this disease and he's trying to come up with a cure. And to me, there's such a good opportunity for an interesting moral story there in terms of, yes, we can share this technology with you to help save your daughter, but this is, this is blood technology, right? That we right. have gotten from torturing this kid, right? And in Benga having to go through the whole moral dilemma of, do I take that, right? Do I ease my child's suffering based off of technology derived from other children suffering right like that's an interesting moral story oh see it's so funny because you didn't think the other one was compelling i don't think that's compelling oh so i do you don't you you don't want if it's you know you don't want to add more blood to it 
for sure. But like if the technology already exists. Well, no, but I mean, the, the, the story was already. You can't close your eyes to the vaccine. No, but the story was already about children suffering, right? It. Like, like because, because the woman brings up the point of like, you're telling me there aren't children that suffer in the Federation, but you ignore it. And we and we don't ignore it. And I'm like, but, but, but that's why we're better line on that happening. Right. No, ours isn't. That's my point. The Federation there is not. a difference between what he's doing and what they're doing. And that like him taking their technology, right? It already is built, right? Like their 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 medical knowledge. Right. That's that's all he's taking. It's so still, it's still blood technology. Well, you can't you don't like erase it just because they're bad. But it's it's a moral thing. To me, that's a that's an interesting moral story. And they already they already touch on it here because she offers Pike hey, you can come back to this planet and we can, we can solve you or right, we can fix you after this thing happens to you in the future. And he has to be like, so he knows that's an option, but he clearly is going to make the decision to not do that because it wouldn't be right. He doesn't approve of what they do and how they get their technology, right? This thing already gotten. It's like, this isn't a, like whether or not they get rid of that, they, they continue to do this horrible practice. Like the, the knowledge to save his daughter exists. No, so but I'm saying, what I'm saying is Pike isn't going to take advantage of that in the future because of how they got it. Right, that's fair. Oh, sorry. Yes, correct. And so they've already played with that story, but they didn't. And Benga uh, is just like, like did it again. But yeah, and Benga is just like, oh sure, I'll, I'll take it. You know, tell me whatever you can tell me. Right? I agree with him. I agree with him. I don't. Don't take that blood technology. That's not. It's not I cool. don't think it's blood technology. It's literally based off the technology of kids being tortured for their lives. I understand, and so that's already happened. You can't undo it. And even if we dismantle their civilization, right? That I mean, you saying that we shouldn't be allowed to use like that knowledge, that medical knowledge, just because it came from there. I'm not suggesting we make more. Of I'm it. saying it would have been. It was wrong to make. It was wrong to make to to like to find this out. But I'm saying I'm saying I'm saying. So the catharsis that you were missing in episode one, I was. I, uh, or, sorry, episode two. I take your I'm point. missing I take here. Your point. I, yeah, I, I there's point. two things I would have either I would have liked to have seen. One is then Benga to be like, no, I'm not gonna ease my child's suffering off the backs of all these other children that you made to suffer to get the technology. He didn't because that's dumb. I'm kidding. Go ahead. I disagree. I think that would have been I know. Uh, or two, I wanted to see Pike when he, you know, because he asked like, he, when he when he wakes up, right, then he's going to go take the kid out of the machine, right? And she's like, if you do it, he'll die. And then he asks, well, then is he going to suffer? And then she's like, oh, yeah, totally. He's going to suffer forever. I wish she had like gritted her teeth and gone, Arr. Yeah, yeah, no, but but no, right? That would have been more believable. But no, she tells him, "Oh yeah, he's totally Ooh. gonna suffer for the rest of his life." If I was, if I were Pike, I'd be like, but so will you, Pike? To be fair, everybody does. Well, sure, but I, but I, but in, this is a particularly <laughs> unique way. If I was Pike, I'd yeah, be like, "Fuck that! A lifetime of torture is worse than instant death." I'm just gonna go blow this full thing, fucking thing up. Fuck you guys, right? Like that would have been some catharsis for me, right? Because like, there are things that are worse than death, and torturing a child for years probably right and putting them under oh, yeah. immense pain so that you can oh, continue just, yeah. to live on your paradise fuck sure. that blow that room up blow that whole thing up and yeah the kid's gonna die the kid's gonna die eventually but he's gonna suffer for years first i think, I think most red-blooded americans agree with you so I, I just i wanted some kind of catharsis there that i just i take your get. point that's a good point there could, there could have been some the, the, yeah I think it was maybe supposed to leave you a little catharsisless, right? Because it was supposed to leave you like, oh, we can't interfere with these douchebags, right? Like that. So it's like sure. showing the other side of the prime directive, which I go actually the same side, and in that inhibits, you know, humanitarian aid, which I am sympathetic to. 
Right. I'm not willing to vote different. Sorry. Well, and to me, that would have actually been the more interesting question when she asked him about, oh, are you telling me there's no kids in the Federation that suffer? To me, it would have been a more interesting question if she would have been like, are you telling me that there's no kids that suffer and you turn the Federation turns a blind eye because of the Prime Directive? There's nobody right. whose job it is in the Federation. Nobody's Federation job description is prevents little boy from running away. So go fuck yourself, lady. That's that's what he should have said. Sorry, yeah. pardon my language. Beat me. No, nah, that's fine. You don't agree? I mean, like, a Federation is clearly superior. Like, what are you talking about? Like, yes. there's, there's starving children. Nobody's job is to make them starve. So shut up. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but I mean, there were do, guards there. Remember, they had they little do, staffs and little hats. They do turn a blind eye to suffering children if they are not warp capable. And right? it is exactly worse to have someone whose job it is to wear a little hat and hold a little stick. And their job description is kid wrangler for torture. Sure, sure. Oh, no, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I'm just that's, saying, like, that's, that's the moral distinction. That's no, 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 I 100% moral. agree. I'm just saying, like, she, she used a bad example for the Federation. Oh, sure. Yeah, he's better. Yeah, yeah. But even the worst ones, not as bad as has a job description to do sure. that. Sure. 100% agree. Yeah. Like, maybe I, yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, maybe I stole this. But you're the thief. You, your job is, yeah. your, your job is thievery. Well, yeah. What I'm saying is, like, <laughs> like she says, like, are you telling me no kids in the Federation suffer from poverty? Like, his answer should be like, no. There are no kids. That's the whole point of the Federation, right? But, that would have been funny, too. Nah. Yeah. Bra. Yeah. And to me, that would have been a good shutdown. It'd be like, no, fuck you. That's not, we don't have money, right? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. But uh, like, capitalism is dead, <laughs> FYI. Yeah. Uh, but, but even if, she, what I'm saying is, even if she'd use the example of, you telling me you don't allow kids uh, to suffer because capitalism of the prime directive. Isn't dead. Capitalism isn't dead. It's friendly. It's friendly there. Because no. it's just, you know, you have a shop. It does better. You get more customers. Like, but it's not like you're gonna starve if you're if you're if if Cisco's dad isn't gonna starve if his if his well, that's, restaurant fails. That's not what capitalism you see what I'm saying? is. That's so not it's what friendly. capitalism is, though. So. Capitalism is sports in their world. Okay. Anyway, that's not really what capitalism is. But anyway, but even my point is, even if you use the example, it is of what like, capitalism is. It's not. It's literally not. But anyway, but it literally is. Right. Anyway, we'll, we can talk about it some other time. Is because it's, but, isn't, isn't 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 companies competing like like in a like two one that has an advantage has a has has no, more no, likely cap, to capitalism survive. is literally about the the generation of capital investment, right? Like so, when people say capitalism and they mean like uh, it's not it's not about competition. Communism also has competition. But just, so you're saying your claim is that market Darwinism. Right has nothing to do with capitalism. No. Okay. Well, then there you go. I didn't know that. I, I did learn something. Then I did think that. I mean, it's I, it's not cut and dry like that, but it's just overall, I would say no. But anyway, but it was cut and dry. It's very complicated, right? It's, it's very complicated. <laughs> but anyway, my so, point. My you, point is, you still use capitalism to mean mark, like to mean like market competition. I don't think that's that's. Right. No, I think that's have approach. I was, capitalism. Yeah, sure, sure. I've had enough of that conversation. We, okay. we can talk about some other time. But my point is. Even if she had used the example of you telling me you don't allow kids to suffer because the prime director tells you not to or whatever like that. Yeah, I'm with you. He would have been like, yeah, I still don't think that's as bad, lady. <laughs> like, you're like, like, you point like, yeah, we don't have, we don't, we don't wrangle kids up and send them to planets that we, that don't have warp drive so that they can suffer. Right. So that we Absolutely. can continue to have enough warp drive for everyone on our, you know, in the Federation. Right? I know that lady's mean comment has animated both of us because yes. I, I find that insulting that she would even compare us. Yes. Awful. Anyway, we've talked enough about she, this episode. She should go to jail. I think it's definitely the weakest episode of, of the seven so far. So I hate to say it, but I do think I, I feel that way about the second one, the comet. Oh, really? 
Yeah, I was just like, oh, actually, it's, it, it feels very much it's like the, the reveal from uh, Star Trek Four that the the that the ship's there to talk to whales, and that's cute. It's cute that we did that. I get it, but like, I don't need us to be the wandering colonialists every t- every time, you know. And that's what it's very much portrayed as is that you know, oh, we wandered into this land we have no business in. And actually, it's really complicated in this giant rock, and we've seen a bajillion rocks, and it looks just like a rock. But this one, you're actually, you know, you're messing with a living thing. You've been really insensitive here. I, I found it to feel, it felt that way to me. It felt like, it felt very trying to make them seem imperialist, and the Federation is not imperialist. not like that. We're just here, again, right? Mm. And like, oh my god, this rock is going to fall into the sky. So we actually were right the whole time, you know? I think, I think uh, the so more... That's what I didn't like about it. Like, the, it, it had that, start, you see my Star Trek four. Uh, comparison is it at, really. at all on two? Not really. And I also think oh. we, I also think we have more nuanced views of the Federation, particularly post DS nine, that it is kind of imperialist. <laughs> so okay, I take your, you know, I, you're not wrong. And I, I, but I meant about you, you, you really don't see the 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 thing about uh, you don't see the parallel between the, the aliens showing up in Star Trek four, so, and and we expect them to be talking to us, but actually it's the whales they're talking to to basically. Uh, this planet is going to be blown up by an asteroid and uh, we assume that's what's going to happen but actually we find out that it's just a sleeping whale and we just didn't we as, as humans we just didn't have thought about i thought of it that way like like spock said from four you don't see this at all no i, I don't oh, okay. but you know to each other, fair enough fair enough fair enough all right, and then the last episode, uh, episode seven, Serene Squall, uh, while on a dangerous humanitarian mission, the crew of the USS Enterprise stumbles into a harrowing game of leverage with the quadrant's deadliest space pirate. I really, uh, really liked it, but before, I just want to say, I want a punctuation mark episode six, that like, you know, it's funny, because you were saying that it's your least favorite, and two's my least favorite. Well, it's, it's funny, we disagree the most about it. So what we agree on uh, is most of the episodes, right? Sure. They yes. are good. You know, yeah, so it gets, I think it's good Star Trek. I think it's really good Star Trek. Carry it on. is good Star Trek. Yes. So anyway, Serene Squall, the latest episode. Uh, I also really like this episode. I think I thought this was like a very, this felt like a classic Star Trek episode too. Like a almost more like a classic TOS episode than more than anything else. It just the ship gets taken over. We have to figure out our way out of it. Right. We get the the turn of like, you know, the the this person who we thought was our friend turns out to be a villain. Right. I just thought the whole thing was that was pretty good. How'd you oh, feel? Yeah, I really liked it. I um I I, I, oh, I feel just, funny about the villain. Just just heads um, up just heads up, this wasn't obvious to me at, at first, but the, the villain, um I forget what the name is. Uh they come kind of, uh, Captain Angel, right? Right. Uh non binary, uses they them pronouns, just FYI. I wondered, I wondered, but it felt rude to ask. But yeah. That's cool. Fair enough. Uh, sure. I feel funny about her though, not like because that. Just I don't know something about something about like the way she would would she switch to evil. Ben. It um it felt real forced, right? I gotta I don't know. I feel bad because I'm not an actor. I don't know how. I don't know what tips to give her. But uh, I I liked her though. I liked the enthusiasm. I did. I, I really enjoyed her character. See more. Just ben. uh, it felt. Well, I had so- trouble connecting. What she had done with who she was, I suppose. Just uh, again, they. Right? Oh, I'm so they sorry. You are right, they. But it, it's it's also weird because the actor themselves is non-binary but uses she/her pronouns, so it's it's a little anyway. Oh, so my you talk about they, the actor, on. it's she. But anyway, so but the character is they. Um, yeah, I mean, I think 
and, and to me, I had to look at it because it was not obvious. I guess I missed it when they, it didn't, it didn't stick out to me that they were using non-gendered pronouns with them. So, but, uh, but they are. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, I agree. I thought the turn was a little sudden, um, but overall, I mean, I think, I think both characters, right when when they were good, and then when they turned to became the villain, I thought the actor played the both very well, right? Absolutely, it was and, very. But we're both we're both idiots because we already we 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 were both thinking, sitting there thinking. Like, oh, well, it seems like they're having a romantic thing. Well, how is that going to work with the Chapring situation and the nurse chapel situation? This is right. like a third person. We should have realized, oh, well, she must be a bad guy. <laughs> right? Oh, you, you thought there been. was a romantic thing? I never thing crossed my with, mind until it happened. You thought there was a romantic thing with Owen Spock? I thought something like that was kind of brewing, yeah. Oh, I guess I... I don't know. I didn't see that. One of the things I will point out, though, that I thought... It, it makes me feel weird is that um, obviously, they had a face tattoo, right? And there was a part of me that was like, is in here going, well, nobody brings it up. Nobody says anything about it. And isn't, isn't that cool? Isn't that very progressive Star Trek that by the 23rd century, oh, you can just, you can be in Starfleet and have a face tattoo and nobody's going to assume that makes anything. Chakotay. Right? Yeah, yeah. Chakotay. Well, sure. But Chakotay, obviously, that's a, you know, that's, that's a cultural thing, right? Presumably, <laughs> this character doesn't have anything. I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know anything about their, their heritage, but they seem pretty white to me, right? So I, presumably there's nothing in their culture that, that means they have a face tattoo. It's particularly yeah, of a yeah, snake, yeah. Oh, yeah, That's say. a good point. That's a good point. It's not, his was cultural. Carry on. Right. I didn't think of that. But also, like, it's it's a face tattoo of, like, a snake, which is, you know. And so I'm sitting here looking at it, and I'm like, oh, it's, it's very, how progressive Star Trek to be like, oh, yeah, you have a snake tattooed on your face, but we're not going to assume that means anything bad about you, right? That, that's great. But then also, like, also, they, we need good. We don't. We can't keep talent because we don't pay people. Well, <laughs> <laughs> kidding. But but then also like they do end up being the villain, and and right. of course the actor themselves doesn't have that tattoo. That was something they added for the character. Uh, so it's like, so don't trust people with face tattoos. Well, yeah, it, it felt very twenty first century to be like, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna make our villain have a face tattoo, and that's how you're gonna know. See, this is that the actually a villain. We've, we've been hearing all along. They're going to use our wokeness against us. Yeah. Wolf in sheep's clothing, Paul. Sure. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that, right? It's like, it was really cool that, that in the Star Trek universe, they're like, they're not making any assumptions about them, right? But then right. like in the real universe, we had to add a face tattoo so that when they make the turn to become a villain, oh, we should have seen it coming the whole time, right? Like, it, ugh, that feels a little weird to me, but... Um, I wouldn't have thought of that, but fair enough. Good, fair enough. Fair enough. And then obviously we get the the B plot with the whole um, crew going over to the the uh, pirate spaceship. Um, Loved it. Yeah, Pike turning them into a mutiny. Big fan of that. Yep. Just, just this. And again, and again, it was fine, but I could use a smidge, a smidge more. Number one. Sure, sure. Just a smidge. Yeah, I could have used a smidge more hammer. Hammer wasn't in the fair entire enough. episode. We we even go to engineering. Where is he? We should give them like a con like a thing where they like a bit where they always are like competing to have done the most helpful, competent thing with this episode. Sure. Yeah. Um. Then obviously we get continued. Uh. You know the the Spock and and Nurse Chapel thing, right? Um. So you know that's obviously <laughs> you know we get the big kiss between Spock and Nurse Chapel. So you know really playing into that. Oh, this is the origins of. 
at Nurse Chapel having feelings for Spock and um but you know just being like oh well you know we we work together we're still professionals we're going to be friends it's fine right we can still work together right i thought that was uh i don't know just a fun little added layer to the story so. yeah. but overall um yeah i thought this was another I hope we see more gorn hope we see more number 1 hope we see more gorn well i don't want to see more gorn cuz anyway in, in canon Nobody by the when Kirk first saw that Gorn, that was the first human that had oh, ever seen. Oh, so we don't get more. Oh, well, presumably, but like we didn't actually see a Gorn. So like you could still see their ships because that, that whole thing also happened with Romulans. So like, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. I'm there, for that. There were Romulans in Enterprise. So per, there was actually in post Enterprise, there was actually a Romulan war in the 22nd century uh, between the Federation and Romulans. But nobody in the Federation saw Romulans until Kirk saw them in TOS. So, like, we had a war with them and a ceasefire but without ever actually meeting the Romulans and realizing that, oh, they're actually Vulcans. <laughs> so, like, they wouldn't be the first time that something like this has happened, but it is. I can do that. So, we could still see more Gorn ships, but, like, without actually seeing Gorn on screen. I could just, I could, just, I could break continuity for them. They did such a good job. Like, I'd really like to see some Gorn. Sure. You know, uh, like from uh, from Firefly with the uh, uh, what were they called? Reavers. And just, just like just a scary, horrifying presence that comes out like a nowhere and predatory. It, no, I liked it. It was a good. It was very menacing, like you said. Confession. I can do more. Confession. I've never seen Firefly. Oh, that's all right. I forgive you. I've also never seen Battlestar Galactica. I, I there hmm. there's just so much. That's not true. That's simply not true. I've watched some of it with you. Well, so I, yes, I've seen like the first three episodes. I haven't seen you the just chose you really. have you, you've never chosen to finish that's yes i keep so meaning to but there's just so bad. much it's there's so much stuff to watch that's the problem i know yeah quite i, I still haven't even watched the first two episodes of for all mankind for season three right so Ooh, go just, do that i'm gonna go do that now i'm gonna go do that right now i need to watch that now i need to finish there's another episode of obi-wan that i need to watch yeah i still actually have the last so two we'll episodes Obi- of, we'll have obi-wan next week i guess yeah oh yeah next week is the last episode and we'll do the next episode we'll do we'll do episode eight of uh, Strange New Worlds. But overall, Strange New Worlds season one. First seven episodes. 10 10. Yeah, it's been a great start. Um 10 out of 10. Love it. Keep going. I, yeah, I don't I don't want to, you know, as we talked about with Discovery, I don't want to bash Discovery or well, I will bash Picard. <laughs> Go re- listen to our review about that. But um you know, Discovery is likable, it's not perfect, but there are lots of things I like. It's controversial. It. It's fun. Do what? I like that it's controversial. Good for it. Sure. Um, but it, it this feels like coming home. It feels like comfortable Star Trek, and I, I'm a two minds oh, of that. It does. It is incredibly nostalgic enough. Enough to get a, get a good right. Movie. And I and I I have a problem overall with. I feel like too much modern culture and media is about nostalgia. It kind of bothers me. Um, hard. But and so nostalgia makes it better sometimes. But in this case, I will say that. You know, it, it's it, it overcomes it because it's just well written, right. And, um, and you know what the ironic part of this is? So the show creator and showrunner for Star Trek Strange New Worlds is Akiva Goldsman. Um, do you know what else he was showrunner and writer of? You're not. Star Trek Picard season two. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Actually, technically Terry Metalis is showrunner of, uh, season two and three of Picard. But he said that, uh, he laid out the story for season two and wrote the first few episodes and then handed over to Akiva Goldsman. And so... So anyway, so Akiva Goldsman wrote most of season two of Picard. So 
But I looked it up, and uh, to say the least, Akiva Goldsman has a bit of an interesting track record. Um, so it kind of makes sense. So uh, he's most known for, he wrote um, Cinderella Man with, um, um, what's his name? Russell Crowe, about the boxer. I like that movie. Yes. He also wrote um, the screenplay for A Beautiful Mind, also with Russell Crowe. Yeah, I only watched it once. I don't think I'm going to watch it again. But it was, I guess, it's good. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, on the other side, he also wrote... Uh, well, so he also wrote The Client, which was uh, Gene Hackman and um, Tom Cruise. Uh, it's from the early 90s, based on a John Grisham novel about lawyers. So. Um, so anyway, so he's obviously written some really good stuff. On the other hand, he also wrote uh, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. So, uh, yeah. So it kind of makes... Huh? checkered yeah it kind of makes sense that he could go one way or another so yeah i will actually defend batman forever i think that's uh it's not a horrible movie um but batman Robin's lonely hill though do what it's a lonely hill though sure <laughs> it's, it's really hard to defend batman and robin though um he also wrote i robot and i am legend so two will um, smith movies don't like either of those because they're both based on really good things uh they're not good well, so I Robot I like, but I never wrote I never read the book. So I understand yeah. people that read the book, it doesn't compare, so that's fine. Nope, not really compare. It was so good. Uh I am legend. I I like uh is it's okay. Uh as long as you use This the, is the point. Well, sure, but it it's okay. Well, it's okay if you use the real ending. <laughs> if you use the theatrical ending, it's really bad. Yeah. Um but if you get the original ending, it's okay. It's a travesty. So anyway, so yeah, so Kiwi Goldsman checkered past. <laughs> so hopefully he got the bad stuff out of the way with Picard and then uh, the rest of Strange New Worlds continues to uh, to be good because so far, uh, big fan. God willing. All right. Well, I think that pretty much covers it. So uh, like always, you know, like, subscribe, give your comments how you feel about Strange New Worlds. Um, be sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast if you just want the audio form. Like I said, Apple Podcasts. Um, should show up in Google Podcasts and any of your other pocket casts, anything else you use. Not Spotify. Like I said, we're not there. Uh, won't be there. Um, but yeah. Do you have anything else, Jason? Nope. Glad to be back. All right. Well, until next time, keep it casual, everyone. <laughs>